Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Gina's Groove Theory. It is March 3rd, 2013. This is Sunday, 
This is your KXRW, your community connection internet radio station broadcasting out of Long Beach, California. I'd like to welcome you guys for coming and showing up. Thank you very much. This is my second day back on the air after a long stretch of doing some research. Today we're going to have a beautiful show today. I have my good friend from Texas, as you guys know, David Henshaw, who's going to be joining us, and he's an inspiration to many, many people, especially me, because of the work that he does. A lot of you guys ask me what it is that you guys can do to make a difference, and as you guys know my intro, ask yourself, I ask myself what I can do. And there's a lot of people out here who show me and give me the encouragement to want to move forward and, and make a difference. And I don't I don't actually have to need the help that I would think I would need, and that's David then. And I, I want you guys to meet him today. As I always start the show, as I always do, uh, being it that I've been off the air now uh, four weeks. Uh, yesterday made four weeks, and today, I don't know, I, I was out last night, had a great time, and uh, <laughs> woke up a little bit, a little bit slow today, so... We're gonna we're gonna take it easy today and relax a little bit. We're gonna t- I'm gonna take you into the what I always do my thank you you know to the man upstairs because without him none of this would really be possible. Uh, I rely on him a great deal. Uh, most of you guys that know me know that I love the Lord as well and that He's everything to me and He makes everything possible for me to be able to help people that I do help. Um, you guys say that I'm so well. You guys give me a lot of credit. Give me a lot of uh, a lot of good words, but. There are a lot of people out there that look just like me. You know, I'm not the only person. I might be the only person right here in Long Beach at this time, but I'm not the only person. And I'd like to thank Mr. Cherokee Morrison out there, too, for uh, encouraging me and showing me the way how to make, how to be a difference in someone else's life. And not to be so, like I told my friend yesterday, don't, don't be so self-centered and so self-absorbed. And uh, that's that's why I'm grateful today, because I do have that opportunity. Um as well as that, uh, I'd like to welcome you guys for being here. Uh, I'd like to send a shout-out there to all my classmates. A shout-out there to uh, Urban Voodoo from last night. Uh, he, he goes to Long Beach, Long Beach City College right along with me. Had a great time. There's a lot of things out here that uh, poets are doing, and uh, I'm going to be bringing that to you as well. They want to know really what it is I want to do with my writing. Yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about it. So with that, it is now six minutes after the hour, I'm going to go ahead and send that shout on up. My my studios are quite a little bit different. As you guys know, they've done some different things in here. So I don't know. We're going to go ahead and check in with Blog Talk and see what it is that they've done so we can uh, so I can be better equipped. So I can see how everything runs. It's been a month. So without more ado, here's to, uh, here's to the man upstairs, as I always do. And this is Mary J. Blige, as well as you guys know. And it's thank you, Lord. Here you go. Gina 
Venus Groove Theory. We're back. It is now eight minutes after the hour. This is your KXRW, your community connection internet radio station broadcasting here out of Long Beach, California. Thank you. I'd like to welcome you. This is Gina from The Theory. Uh, let's go and say hello. Let's say uh, first, I didn't ask what kind of music that David likes, so let's see. Uh, we, I'm going to take a look at guess uh, what I'd like to uh, play. Here we go. Since uh, this show is about uh, David and uh, it's about the things that he does for the children, special children, children of all ages, that's what's so that's what's so beautiful about it. Uh, it's not a it's not limited in what he does. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna do this uh, for just out of what I feel. So here you guys go. This is your KXRW. This is Gina's Groove Theory, broadcasting here out of Long Beach, California. This is your KXRW. We'll be back to and two, and this is God bless the child. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, everybody. We're back with Gina's Groove Theory. This is your KXRW, Long Beach, California, your community connection internet radio station, broadcasting out of Long Beach. Let's go ahead. Uh, that shout was out there. That was River. The name of the song is River. It's by uh, Emily Sandy, and uh sounds really great. I send that shout out there to Cherokee Morrison out here in Long Beach, who's at home resting today and retired as well. So let's go ahead and say hello to to David, you guys want to guys give him a well, a well welcome, and let's say hi. Hello. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm I'm blessed and pressed. A little bit still a little slow today. I don't know. I'm getting a little. I don't know. You know, I I, I kind of told you I was out. Uh, got in about maybe about four o'clock this morning, and I'm still kind of a, a little sleepy. I guess. <laughs> you know, California people aren't we something else. How are you doing, David? <laughs> I'm doing great, and you're playing some great music there. It's very impressive and very inspiring. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, you're you're my hero, right? Right. I mean, uh, yesterday I just did a, a lot of thinking, and I, I went over a lot of things, and um, I, I I'm getting clarity on what I should do, and I think uh, I like to follow your follow your lead. You know, I, I'm I, I didn't think there's a the job that you do, because I have been out there and I went on to the site. Uh, actually, everybody, uh, I'll let you tell everybody because uh, you'll be better off to tell everyone what you know the organization that you started and how you started it. I did uh, touch a lot of people with it, and you touched my heart. And I don't know, God led you to me, so we can you know make some things happen here in California. Uh, you know, something that can benefit people where we won't have to have so many governmental. Uh, agencies involved, I didn't think that could be done. You know, our village out here and our multi-service center out here, they, they're they all, you know, they're all governed by the state and the funds. Right. And, and I think it's a, I, I, I don't like, I, I almost hate, and hate is not a good word to say, but I, I don't, I think people shouldn't be able to pick and choose the people that they want to help. And I think it should not be that individual's you know, judgment or decision to make. I think that if you have funding, if if I give you twenty dollars and I say that twenty dollars is for you to help people, you should give that twenty dollars to if it's twenty people or giving them each a dollar or whatever the case may be, or two people giving them ten dollars, you give it all, not just what you want to keep in your pocket. Now I know I do understand that businesses have to run with electricity and things like that, but other than your fees to run, all the other money should be towards the people who need it and with the job you do is so uh it's so inspiring and it's so eye opening and uh I'm impressed with you as well. Thank you. You like my music, huh? Oh yes, I like your music and our charity is called Texas Special Children's Projects. We're a program that we created back in two thousand and one that provides activities, recreation, entertainment for special needs individuals. When we first started, the emphasis was kind of going to be on kids, but we started getting calls from adult daycare that handle caring for special needs people during the day and and senior citizen homes. And our board kind of said, you know, all these people are God's children, so what difference does it make? If we want to go out and provide entertainment, field trips, musical events, dances, these people need to feel that they're more than just a diagnosis of a certain type of disability or even Alzheimer's, uh, just whatever their disability is. They need to feel like 
that they can be included and be active in in something. So that's what we try to do is keep them active, keep them smiling, and uh, hopefully we're we've been doing that now for about 12 years. Wow, that that is. I know some businesses that uh, have a lot of lots of funding don't last that long. Some of our our agencies out here who have funding have shut down. And I kind of think it's more to it than what, you know, we get to see. But uh, that is very impressive, and uh, you are an inspiration. And uh, I, God led me to the songs that I just played, actually. Uh, some of the music in my in my uh, library is, you know, set to be positive. I'm a po- usually a very positive person. Uh, I always have good things in my heart. And, yeah, I'm a cut up, like I tell people, you know. I'm right, a, right, right. I, yeah, yeah, I'm a cut up too. I like to have a great time and and keep it positive. That's something that we always try to do when we go out and see folks in the special need care centers that are they many of them should be depressed if anyone could be depressed, but we try to cheer them up. Many of them are in extremely bad physical handicaps that we see, and we try to keep them cheered up and do what we can in different cases. It's different for each scenario is different. So, you know, back but when I was inspiring, young, music is always great, you know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know what? First and foremost, do you have anybody out there? If you, if you do have someone out there listening, I do advise my, my guests that when they're going to be on. But, you know, you guys, this is really you guys' show, really. Uh, you could be on this show anytime. All you have to do is give me a call, and I tell a lot of people that just call me up or Touch me on Facebook and, uh, you know, bring what it is uh, that you have to, to inspire others, others. You know, a lot of people are really scared and leery of helping, and uh, I understand why. You know, see, I live in Long Beach, and Long Beach, California is quite a different kind of flavor of people. And uh, here, you know, there's not a lot of trust. Uh, you have the government city officials who are, you know, you have the traffic. I think I told you about my car getting towed, and, you know, they're messing right, with right. They're messing with me because of what I do. And a friend told me, uh, he said, well, if you were a man, they'd kill you. And I said, oh, really? He said, well, since you're a woman, they're going to you know, try to take you down or try to dis- you know, hurt my my image. Everybody out here in the Long Beach knows me. They know what I do. They know what I've done. They know where I've been. So I don't really worry about that. Today I live a life free of all the extras. You know, I don't. I just do what God has me to do. I live on God dollars in heaven. And I, oh, you know, I met this guy Thursday night, and uh, you know, I was telling, I told him, I said, I, I I live on God dollars in heaven bucks, and he asked me. He said, Well, what help uh, do you do for the homeless uh, that doesn't have to do with you know you getting God dollars in heaven bucks? So I had explained to him. I said, God dollars in heaven bucks are not they're not visible. They're not a physical. It's not physical dollars and bucks. I had those before I even, you know, start receiving all the blessings that I had. I, I had God dollars to heaven bucks before I, before I got a nice place, before I got a nice car, before I got anything. So, God dollars and heaven bucks. And when I tell people that, it's it's to let them know that if they're telling me that they're going through something rough, you know, I, I run into a lot of people and I help so many people. Thursday night I ended up missing a lady who had a 11 year old daughter. I went to go get my barbecue at Woody's out there. Shout out there to everybody in L.A. And it wasn't really that good, so I'm kind of mad about it. Uh, it's still, it's been a few days, and I'm still mad. But I got out there, and this uh, lady was hungry, and uh, she was asking the uh, the cook. You know, they give out, I guess, scraps or something like that. It hurt me so because I'm sitting in my car waiting on them to uh, 
make my order, and she's hungry, and she's asking them for scraps. And so I uh, my person, gave her some money, and she informed me she had an 11-year-old daughter, and they were at a motel room, and they were being put out because she didn't have any money. And so I'm like, wow, you know, out of all the people in the parking lot, <laughs> she came to me, right? So I said, okay. Right. I know God sent if there were other people in the parking lot in their cars too. So uh, I said, here, I looked up at God, and I said, okay, God. Here you go. You you put me to the test. So I said, Well, I'm not out from I'm not from LA, I'm from Long Beach. There's no agencies that I have any connections with in LA. I was honest with her. I said if you were in Long Beach or if you want to go back to Long Beach with me, uh, I can get you you and your baby some help. And so she was like, Well, we're just really hungry so I gave her what I had and she went to go buy something. She said, Should I go get some, you know, noodles or something like that instead of getting this expensive food and I said, Just do what you gotta do and you know, because I had some other money in my purse, too, so I you know, I, I was going to work it out regardless. Uh, like my mentor tells me, he says, you'll give your last dollar. And he's like, stop doing that. And I said, no, no. It's, you know, I never have a day without, for some apparent reason. Uh, and I'm going to keep it 100. I get like $800 a month. And I never, uh, <laughs> I never, I never go without. I was, uh, I had uh, downloaded the Mint.com uh, application for, you know, budgeting your money. And it tells you your spending, it tells you your budget, your day. You know, for last month I spent six thousand dollars, six thousand and something, and I'm like, saying, "Wow, wait a minute, <laughs> where did I? How could I have? <laughs> you know, because I don't get six thousand. So I, I had to look up at God again and say, you know what? Now that's kind of odd. How could you spend that kind of money if you don't get that kind of money? So I said, okay, I, I know I'm, I'm in favor of him, and he likes what I'm doing, and he keeps me motivated. So this, the lady, after I gave her the money, and then uh, she came back, she said, well, I'm going to go, and uh, it was too expensive for her. She said, I'm going to go to the 99-cent store. So I said, that's fine. After her, I, I leave from there. I give her my number. I, I'm, I'm waiting on my cards as well as my iPhone right now. That's why I'm not able to, uh, like, touch as many as people with the iPhone. I can just go ahead and send out mass texts, and I can't do that, any, you know, at this time with the phone that I have. And uh, so I, I leave from there, you know, I'm like, okay, God, I, I get to a 7-Eleven, and I'm just going to get me a rock star, I and mean, that's my favorite. So I, I, as I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I roll up in here, comes a man who is homeless and needs gas. And I'm like, okay. I gave him $5, and I said, okay, there he comes to find out he works with children, teaching children how to sing. He's with a choir, and he's struggling, and he's sleeping in his car, and I'm like, okay. All right. It was, the young lady was from Detroit, and he, guess where he was from? Detroit. I'm like, okay, so two Detroit people, both in need of something. And I ended up hanging out with the guy and talking to him and, uh, you know, getting more information from him. Now we're friends. And so I'm like, wow, okay, this is a, you know, I mean, I was going, I went out by myself to just have a little bit of fun and, you know, just to get out and have a drink or whatever. And it let me there and let me there. And, so uh, shout out there to them too. I hope they're doing okay. Uh, and living in your car, you know, I, all I could do is sit in my I, I sit in my car for a moment, and I thought I, I just flash back to when I used to live in my car, and when I was with my kids and I lived in my car, and I was like, my heart just you know just hurt. I was like, wow, because I can it just takes you back. Um, when you speak of uh, helping people, you know, older people. When I was young, I used to go to convalescent homes and. Uh, I know they need a lot of love in there because some, some, some elderly, you know, their families are not there for them. And uh, 
I see a lot of elderly out here in Long Beach, and they be pushing their, you know, they be doing it. I mean, bent over, the, it, just, it hurts me, but I'm like, wow, they're doing it. So that makes me know I need to get off my butt and make some things happen. Now, if they can do it, I can do right, it too. They, yeah, they enjoy getting out and being independent, as you can imagine. Uh, losing your independence for someone that's elderly is a big deal to them. They like driving their own cars and going shopping and and they can't always do it well or fast, but they enjoy doing it. So that may be something you could help do. It's just take someone shopping, do something nice, you know. Help them put their groceries in the car. There's so many little things that means so so many big things to folks. Yeah, and they there are some go-getters too. I'm like, "Wow," cuz here, you know, I told you just a little while ago when I called you to check in with you. Somehow my back hurts. And I'm like, wow, so I need to get up off of it. You know, I think I'm getting a little old, but the case is if they can do it, then, you know, I know I can do it too. And if you can do what you're doing out there, I know I can do it here too. It There is hope to be able to reach out to others. I found that very, very impressive. And I was telling a friend just last night, I was like, yeah, children of all ages, from zero to 100. And he's like, really? Like, yeah. Because they are, they are uh, very important to us. They, um, I, 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 I guess now I don't feel so bad when I see what you just said. Made me think of, well, they're out there because they want to be, not as much as they probably don't want help. They're probably like, I got to do this myself, and they're inspiring as well. So I don't feel as bad, at, you know, anymore. You said they do like to get out. They like to have fun. You, you guys set up adventures for them. Some of them are terminal as well, right? Right, right. We do have some that are terminal, and and the sad thing about that is it's it's not that they're terminal. We just need to work on trying to make their quality of life better because uh, you know there are a lot of things out there. There are medications that can help them along, but ultimately some of these folks are are terminal. So we have to try to make the time they have left very enjoyable, and and they're more than a diagnosis. They're not cancer or they're not Alzheimer's. They're they're individuals. So we need to to remember that and not lump them all into a category and say, well, they're these are all Alzheimer folks, these are all uh, muscular dystrophy or what have you. So we need to remember that they're individuals and try to do things for them individually. So one one question um, that is running through my mind right now is, what was it that give give the people. Um, a little bit about a little bit of detail of probably what you went through that got you to to do what you do. Well, I mean, what 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 motivated you to? I know my my motivation was me living out on the streets with the you know with my kids and and then meeting Cherokee Morrison and 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 working with the homeless and you know when I saw that especially because you know MI mental illness for people who don't know um, mental right. illness I, I suffer you know I wean my own self off my own medication and when I start seeing those people out there on the riverbeds because you know a lot of a lot of our student nurses we have student nurses that come in and they ride with us and that's so that they can get a a, a little bit of experience with uh, dealing with people out on the streets and it's really a good thing to do even though they're going into being RNs and they're going into the health system uh, yeah they need those help. interview skills yeah they've got to have if you're going to treat people you got to have treat people or or work with special need people, you've got to have some interview skills, you know, to find out just what may be their problem, what's the nature of their illness. But uh, I I got started in this. I was an undiagnosed bipolar for many years, 
went through a lot of jobs, had some really great jobs, as a lot of people do, and basically screwed them up and uh, ended up in a mental hospital in 1996. And I saw that depression was such a serious thing. I really didn't believe that someone could get so depressed they could die, you know, just stop eating, stop drinking, stop living, and just become a zombie. And I saw a man in there that was on IV fluids because he was so depressed. He he had several deaths in his family that had come close together, and he was so depressed. And I was depressed when I went in, but not to the extent of him. And so I started thinking that uh, maybe I did have this illness. You know, I'd been told it before, but I didn't take it seriously. And after I came out, I started staying on my medication, and I vowed that I was going to change my life and turn it around so that I didn't end up back there and went forward with this organization and first started out doing a lot of volunteering for handicapped centers, communities, uh, uh, nursing homes, uh, special need kids centers, hospitals, just anything I could do. And it helped me, too. It helped me, too, because I'm, I'm trying to recover. I'm trying to keep my act together. So it helped me a lot, a great deal. And I learned to love it. I actually learned to love it so much that I want to do it for the rest of my life. Wow. Um, you know, our stories, uh, our life stories are kind of parallel. When uh, Before 2000, before 2001, my mom passed away suddenly, and then my great-aunt passed away six months and two days. We had more time with my great-aunt because we were prepared. We, we got time to prepare. So I know about prepara- you know, preparation for, for death. And uh, it was it was like, okay, uh my sister-in-law and my cousin, they had panic attacks. You know, they, they were the first two people I ever heard of panic, you know, panic anxiety. And so, you know, I looked at both of them and their situation. And my sister-in-law was, you know, an at-home mom, had a lot of kids. She would wait on my brother's paycheck every Friday, and which she probably still does. Um, and I looked at her and I said, well, she's trapped in the house with the kids. And, you know, she didn't really have anything going for herself, you know, as far as, you know, what my brother brought in. And it's really... For as a woman, you know, I um, and back then I was so no nonsense, and I was like, you got to get up and get up off your ass, and you got to make it happen. So right, I looked at right her, and I, I looked at my cousin, and my cousin was kind of a girl who uh, she relied on men to give her. You know, she was very pretty, so you know, she relied on men, and I'm like saying, okay, these two ladies, there's no such thing as panic anxiety. They just they just need to get up off their asses and do something because I have to stop, right? <laughs> doesn't give you a hand. So I was in denial of what they had. So in in 2000, when when it happened to me, in 2001, when I was diagnosed with panic dysfunction disorder, I was like, oh, no. You know, because the guy on the job, I had a coworker who was messing with me. He was an English native uh, man, and he was very aggressive and very vulgar, and, and he would say things. And I'm a supervisor, and he they made my boss mate the, the elder uh, supervisors, senior supervisors. So now this guy has a senior on his name, and he's messing with me. And so I got, you know, I would at the end of my day, but we had a thirty-minute overlap. Whereas thirty minutes of the last, the last thirty minutes would be spent with his his people, and he made he made it hell for me. So I would shake, and I would, you know, these nerve. I mean, it was like I when I see him, I, I was on edge, and 
when I was diagnosed, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, wait a minute, I don't even believe in this, right? So how is it that I have something that I didn't even believe existed? And uh, for, I said, about a year or two, I fought the whole medication thing. I fought, right. I fought thought. You know, I was like, no, this is impossible, you know. And then when I lost my nan and I, I lost, then I lost my job due to me reporting that this guy, I have this, I have this illness, and I have to take a pill to get up. I got to take a pill to live. I got to take a pill to go to sleep. And I was pissed. I'm gonna tell you, I was, I was like, no way. But I've, I, since then, I've, uh, I've come, I've come down. I've apologized to both of them for being uh, ignorant to. Uh, well, my sister said she she ate raw, whenever she eats raw onions, and that's when she has them. And and it's true. I, I found out that in some cases, some uh, some food, some uh, it's the what's in the food that makes uh, a person can go right into an attack. And so I made my amends with them both. And uh, some food yeah, allergies, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I, I had to get up off that. So we're, we're kind of parallel in that. And uh, it just encourages me to not, you know, and and just living out here now, being out here volunteering, because, you know, a lot of people say, you volunteer, you know, why don't you, I caught a lot of flack for being homeless and helping the homeless. So the people that I I was living with, once the kids got older, then they looked at me like, uh, and the cousin, because the the cousin, I ended up living with her, too, and she kind of, you know, was like, why am I taking you to Long Beach for you to go work for free? And it, it was a thing that, you know, I had to. I had to fight for the right to do what I did. You know, I had to explain myself, and they never did get it. But now today, as they look at me, and they're like, well, how do you, well, what do you, you know, it's like, you know, how did you get a Mercedes? They're like, you look, let me tell you. You know, the bottom line is God, dollars, heaven, bucks is what I do. I mean, I wanted a Mercedes back a long time ago when I did have a job and did have money. I don't know why I did. I didn't get it. But now it's like everything God just gave to me, you know, in my hand, and, and so I said, well, right. this is how this is how I live, you know. And uh, now it's like I, I'm just more determined to uh, show people the way. Uh, when I run into people and they ask me, they're like, I remember when you were struggling. It's like, like, how did you get there? How did you? I'm like, hey, you really want to know. You know, what I have found out, I used to get hurt in the beginning with helping people because they would say they want help and then they wouldn't show up. And I would take that very, you know, to heart. And over the period of years, I, I've learned how to I offer you help. If you really want the help, you'll come get the help. I'm going to force you to get the help. I'm not going to chase you around because in the beginning, I did chase people. But then uh, gradually, I had to say, it's, some, it's, it's, it's a choice within that person to want to make make better. Sometimes people right, don't believe right. what you do. you know, And that's why I have this show. This is why I have this show. Sometimes people don't want to trust and believe in what you say. And they have to be some some people like I used to be. They have to have proof. They have to see what it was that you did. You know, they're not just gonna believe what you said. Oh well, God, you know, God makes things possible because of the things that I do. They're not gonna just believe that. They're gonna say I'm blowing smoke up their asses. So I say, okay. It, it may uh, go. You know, it may go either way, but people have to hit their whatever recovery you're in, whether it's drugs, alcohol, mental illness. You've got to hit your bottom before you can start climbing your way back out of that. And and for some people, that's different. You know, for me, I didn't want to be in the hospital. I didn't want to be in jail. And those were two things that, you know, I had going for me as bad as they were. They were common to me. And, and sometimes people, change is tough. You know, change is tough. And it's easier to pour alcohol down you or take pills than to make an effort to try to change your life. And sad to say. 
Yeah, but you said 1996, so four years after that, you, well, what, four years after after what you, you know, experienced and then going through that, you picture yourself right on up. But that's, that's, that's another amazing thing because uh, if you were in a mental facility in 1996 and then by 2001 you were already starting something, it was something in you that just uh, must have ignited you that made you say, well, you know, I'm going to get past this and I do something to help someone else. Uh, that was really that? like you said, those early years of, of trying to get yourself straightened up were, were tough, and I think there there comes a turning point there when you when you start saying, hey, I'm starting to feel better, uh, my medications are even now, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, and I'm ready to move forward, you know. But like you said, those first two or three years, you're kind of not wanting to do what you're supposed to do and maybe making some, still making some bad choices, but you're you're going forward and some relapses and, and problems there. But, you know, and people told me, well, you know, you're bipolar, you, you can't do this, it's too stressful. And I'm like, why not? You know, a lot of bipolar work, a lot of bipolar folks work and, and run businesses and do lots of different things. So I'm not going to let that stop me. You know what, just speaking on this, not to sidetrack from um, the, the children project, but think, speaking of that, I, I think it's – I touch on it. I haven't touched on uh, mental illness and different uh, diagnoses in a, quite a while in a, in a show. So since we're touching on it, um, were you able to find out all that came with your bipolarism? And can you kind of explain? It? There's a lot of people out here who, um, and as you know, in the news, there's a lot of people who are killing people. There's a lot of people uh, mass, you know, uh, mass murders and. A lot of people are asking, you know, they're, you know, they're like lock them up and lock them up, and you know, because they don't really understand uh, what mental illness is, and like, like we didn't, you know, like we didn't even want to, you know. Uh, right, we didn't, and I think we're the worst. I think sometimes people with mental illness are their own worst enemies because we don't always realize what we're doing, and that's the the worst kind of person with mental illness is the is the one who thinks he's fine, you know. Uh, you got to admit you have a problem, and and people that are friends or relatives got to know what to look for, and and those mood changes and and instabilities and things to look for. And a lot of times, by the time someone figures out that they are mentally ill or what type of mental illness they have, they've done burned their bridges with their family, their friends, their coworkers, and and they're totally on their own. And it's 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 sad to an extent because some of these people on medication. Are wonderful people. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm I'm just thinking. I'm like saying, uh, uh, when it comes to mental illness, uh, my aunt uh, just recently. I have a cousin who was brought out here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I had to try. I'm still trying to research him. Uh, he was dropped off at the admission, and uh, you know, my auntie. When I finally told my family because we're having a big family reunion in June. And uh, so I've been in touch with my family because for years, uh, the whole time that I was out there with the kids, I didn't I didn't get in contact with my family. I didn't want to have to explain. This is another point. Uh, I didn't want to have to explain what happened. You know, when you lose everything, because I lost, me and my husband, we lost everything. And it's, you know, I, I never never had I tried drugs. So I didn't I didn't know that, you know, because really, actually, I'm, I'm dual diagnosed. And as well right. as you know, you know, and that that was something that wasn't even addressed until like I believe the '90s when uh, Cherokee brought the DRA meeting out here, because he knew better. He's a vet, and he knew better that 
uh, there you have AA, who Alcohol Anonymous, and, and then you have NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous, and you have CA, which is Cocaine Anonymous. They all have guidelines that run across each other. And the the the, the worst one of that, and I'm not saying in bad sense, but AA people are they're very tough. They're very they don't want people who are taking medications, you know, in their meetings. Uh, they, right. They, exactly. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can help me better explain it to people out there about how they, you know, they kind of put you in a, and this is something that we all shouldn't do. Uh, being that we are within the field, we shouldn't ever count out someone else because of anything. See, that's the whole that's the whole point that got me here and I, you where you are, is that we did count it out, but then we we were shown through our own lives, you know, what the the, the significance is of what we have and, and what other people have, and so it makes you not want to count out anybody. So right. when we started the DRA meetings out here, and I do believe they're everywhere now, you, you, you guys have DRA out there too, right? Arians, you say? It's DRA. DRA is dual diagnosed. Out here oh, yes, yeah, dual diagnosed. Yeah, it's, um, we, we call it DRA. And uh, he started it here, uh, you know, because he knew as being a vet, that you know you can have the addiction to you can have the addiction to to alcohol or to drugs or to even the prescription medication. Uh, AA doesn't oh, yeah. want you to be involved in their group. They don't want you in their group because you are taking prescription. They call that a drug. So it's it's, it's kind of like a you know it's a what did you say it's a it's a it's a stigma on kind of a catch twenty two. Yeah, it's it's a stigma and. I think they have to realize that there are people that do need medication. You, just like someone's diabetes, I mean, you wouldn't tell them not to take their medication, not to take insulin when they needed it. Uh, it's not really up to them. They're, they're, you have to get with a good therapist, a good doctor, and find out what you specifically need so that you're not abusing it and it's not something that you don't really need. It's a, It's kind of a juggling act at first. That's what makes it tough when you're when you're bipolar and you're trying to figure all these things out, is is finding out what the deal is. And what amazes me is some of these people are being diagnosed with problems like this when they're in their 60s, 70s, sometimes even 80s. You know, it just and how they've lived their entire lives with so many problems, and it's sad. And we see that all the time. We see that a great deal of dual diagnosis and and a lot of different things and. And some of the children, sadly enough, they're born with disabilities or from drug and alcohol abuse and family violence. And it all comes back to a big circle. It really does, if you really stop and think about it. You know, you, you did bring up a point about the children, too. Uh, there's there's children who are diagnosed uh, uh, with, you know, grown-up, with what people consider to be grown-up uh, di- uh, disorders and uh I found that kind of amazing too. I uh, when I think about a kid going through, see, I, I'm I'm diagnosed schizoid affective, and I have paranoia as well. I had OCD. Um, I had to wean myself off of medication. I did that on my own because uh, they didn't tell me too because they're they're downfalls to taking medication. Uh, I was on. I started. Uh, my doctor gave me Effexor first, and when I first took it. I found myself sitting on my bed and looking at the ceiling and stuck. And so I said, that's not working. That's when I tried. I was trying to take it. So I go back to him and I tell him, I said, it's not working. So he increases the dose. 
and then I take it again, and I, I'm, I'm stuck back yeah, again. I, the, I agree. The, Sometimes the the downer type medications for for that. We don't want to be a zombie. We just want to be a little more calmer and a little more able to to function. We don't want to be what I call zombified, where we're just walking around doing the the Hal Dahl shuffle, as they used to say in the institutions here. Wow. The the, the what shuffle? The Hal Dahl shuffle. Hal Dahl shuffle? Wow. That's what they give you when you're extremely agitated and they dope you up with that and you kind of just are kind of like in a vegetative state sometimes if, if it's a high dosage. Yeah, and that's but, what he increased it from 75 eventually to 225. And how I was able to stop that too, because you know these doc, these uh, psychiatrists and something else too. You really have to research uh, what I'm finding out too, because I, I, when I got the life experience with working with uh, the homeless, mentally ill, and and uh, when I got the life, when I got that life experience, then I just want to, because you guys know I gra- I'm due to graduate this June. Um, I have a little bit of uh, confusion with uh, I, I'm missing a class, and so I'm gonna have to beg for this class and drop some other classes, but. I went on to school so I can better enhance it. It was like, okay, having a life experience, then getting the school, you know, the school, the college knowledge so that I can be able to see. I, I like to enhance myself and I like to be able to, you know, uh, fit all, you know, so that I never go back into that judgmental part of me where I can't, I can't right, right. Anything, you know, you know. I think, yeah. I mean, I think you can take the positive thinking thing too far and say, well, you know, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to accomplish all these things and, and you can put too much on yourself, and you have to just drop back and say, "This is what I'm going to do. This is I'm going to do one thing at a time, kind of like the one day at a time." And that's what I have to keep telling myself: it's baby steps, but get it done, you know. And that's baby what we tell ourselves. Hey, come to think about it, uh, that's the name of this. That's that's the title of this show. Actually, it's uh, uh, one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time, because that's everything that you've given me. You know, I, I, I look at it as though it's one day at a time. Uh, when it got towards, like, uh, let's say it's been about two years, I started, uh, you know, uh, I, I went from FXR, and finally I, I met this lady who told me, she told me about uh, the Paxil, Paxil, Paxil CR. So I go back to my doctor, and I talk to him, and I say, I want to try this. <laughs> you know, you know no, no asking him. I went, and this is what you do have to do. I went back to him. I said, I, I want to try this. Someone said it might work, you know, because this person had some similar, uh, you know, effects that I had. So he put me on. Right, right. I was I was on it for a while. I went from that to, to Prozac. And, oh, when you say Prozac to people, they <laughs> that it's like everybody is, everybody knows what Prozac is. Right, I, break out the yeah. happy pills, right. Yeah, break That's out the happy pills. Yeah, so I was on that. I was on that, and then I had Respiritol, and then I had Ambien for sleep. So for the past, let's say, last Four or five years prior to two years ago, I was I was on that. Well, what weaned me off of it was uh, I had to. Uh, I see no one told me that uh, Ambien for one is uh, for when you take it for a prolonged you know, time, it uh, causes you to sleepwalk and you you start doing things in your sleep. So one morning I woke up. Nobody told me this. I I had to kind of find out on my own. Right. One morning I wake up. And, uh, you know, I see, I go, I go into my kitchen, and there's a skillet on the stove, and uh, it has, you know, like someone cooked, and it had the, the spatula there, too. And I'm like, wait right. a minute. I was the only one here. I'm not, I, only, I live by myself except now when my son's here. 
But, you know, I'm looking around, and I'm in my kitchen, like, someone was here, right? So I see, uh, you know, the Kraft singles, uh, <laughs> cheese singles, the the paper, mm-hmm. the clear. You know, I'm looking on the floor, and it's like a trail of them from the, from, the, to the, from the stove to the refrigerator. And I'm like, oh, my God, someone broke into my house. And, you know, I'm like, uh, they made grilled cheese, right? You know, they, they cooked while I was asleep. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to panic. <laughs> Some of that yeah, stuff will make you get the munchies, too. It's just like, you know, a lot of street drugs. Some of that stuff will make you get the munchies, and and you'll eat and eat and eat, and that's not good either. So. Oh, yeah, because you, bl- you can blow up, you know. You can really literally blow up overnight. So I come back to my bedroom. Huh? I was fortunate. I had a young psychiatrist, and I was able to work with him on a one-to-one basis. And, just, you know, something didn't work. Within a day or two, I'm calling him or stopping by saying, hey, this don't work. You know, give me something else or whatever. So, You're able to figure that out. You're able, in each individual, is able to figure that out for themselves once they start. Right, exactly. You're going to know when you, when it feels right to you. Yeah. And, and it's not really an embarrassment. It, it, tell people. it's For us to be able to talk about it, you know, some people some people find it an embarrassment. And I know I'm going to speak for my do- my daughter doesn't like for me to tell people uh, certain things. She's like, Ma, don't don't tell him. You know, like you know they're going to look at me funny. And I feel like this. You know, uh, when people when people look at me, they don't. Uh, even in a classroom, uh, I had a teacher who was teaching uh, stress management at the time, and they were discussing medication. And she, uh, shout out to Miss Zampelli, Sherry Zampelli out of Long Beach City. She doesn't like medication, you know, the psychiatry. She doesn't like that whole, you know. So they were having this discussion, and it was my first semester there at Long Beach City in Cherokee. You know, he started with me, too. That's my mentor. So we're sitting in class. He's getting pissed, right, because, you know, he's been – he's a vet. He's been on medication. He knows the, no, the yes and the no. So he was offended, and he got up, and he walked out of the classroom and because, you know, everybody was, like, acting like they didn't – like, oh, my God. Like, you know, they were acting all, you know, dumb. And my teacher was like, yeah, you don't need that med- and so when he walked out, I'm like, I'm already knowing why he, you know, why he walked out. He's pissed because he wants to snap and go off and tell all you people you don't know what you're talking about. Because for one, you never tell anybody medication is no good, just like what you said. So and when he walked out, I just I, I raised my hand and I said, I, I have to speak on this. So I, you know, I had to let everybody know. <laughs> I raised my hand and I said, I said, well, uh, to everybody, uh, just to let everybody know that I gave my diagnosis and I gave my medication. I take Prozac and uh, let them all know. I said, and the, the, the reason I'm here and here and I'm not cutting up on all y'all right now is because I'm taking it, <laughs> because I'm on it. They were like, oh, like really? <laughs> they were like, really, you? Because I don't look like a, you know, I look not like a person who would be on medication, so I shocked the whole class, including my teacher. So it's like, we okay, to, and that's We have to get rid of those stigmas or otherwise stigma is one of the reasons people don't seek treatment for, for these type of things because they don't want the family members saying they're crazy or somebody at work hearing about it, but sometimes the other effects of bipolar or some of these other problems make you look pretty bad at work, too. So, Either know. way it goes. Yeah, because I told him, I said, right, right now, right. I'd, I'd probably be up in here whooping on all y'all right now if I would have taken my medication, right? So I, like, I try wow. to use humor to deal with it. Uh, you know, I try to use some humor to deal with it because it's not such a bad thing. You know, there's people out there who got things a lot worse than bipolar, uh, yeah. I have I have multi personality as well. Believe you me, and I and no no doctor has diagnosed that to me. 
uh, I just pretty much have uh, looked at myself, you know, and, and I realized uh, that that morning when I came in my room, I saw it was a bowl turned over on the floor, and it had two cheese toasts, uh, perfect, too. I don't think I've ever cooked the cheese toast as, as perfect as those two were. And on one of the sandwiches, it was a little bite out the corner, of the, you know, the top of the corner. And I'm like, and I look, and I, and I realize, I said, wait a minute. It was by my bed on the floor. So I said, I did this. So I said, okay, so I cooked too perfectly. I mean, brown just right, cheese toast, right? I, I could, I was asleep. So I go and I talk to my, my uh, doctor, which is a different doctor. Uh, the village provides, uh, you know, psychiatric evaluation as well as medication for free. Uh, That's great. Right. That's right. For you, you. So I go and I say, well, I, 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 I was sleep cooking, I guess. And she, that's when she said to me, she said, sleep cooking. you know. <laughs> it's yeah, first time I, I've ever heard that. Sleep cooking. And it's Ambien. And I, I'm tell you, I'll tell you, Ambien, after a period of years of taking it, uh, you, people, patients, they start to do things in their sleep. I'm sleep driving, sleep cooking, sleep walking. And this is a serious issue. So she says to me, she says, well, you know that's dangerous, right? And I said, well, yeah. I said, she said, they didn't tell you that, you know, that, that a long period of usage of it, that, that would happen? And I said, no. So she said, well, you know, you could burn your whole apartment building down, right? So I said, that's I said well, yeah. That's so that's when I had to say, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to go to something else. You know, I had been on the Ambien for some years, and as well as the Respiritol and the, the Prozac. So I said, I don't want to go to something else. I said, and I think right about now, I can learn how to manage this. You know, it's all about being able, you know, when you get upset, oh, I can get pissed and I can cut up. It, but I, it's like, got to think. I, you know, I've learned to say, wait a minute, back it up. That's why I was off the air for about a month. I had to not only to research uh, some of the shows and topics that I, I, I'm going to be bringing to everybody this year, but I had to back it up. Uh, see, when you put yourself, and I was one of those overworked, uh, you know, you know, perfectionists. Oh, my God. That's why oh, I yeah, went crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, You'll go crazy with trying to be a perfectionist, and I was. You make your own self crazy with that. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, you went through uh, that too as well, right? Right, right, and that's why I would lose a lot of jobs because I was overkill. I was, you know, and I still have some of those qualities left that are good for the charity. I'm very persistent. I'll get out there and beat the bushes, and I did yeah. different kind of sales work, and so I'm very, I'm still that way to an extent, but I'm more focused on what I'm doing rather than getting what I call sidetracked with all of the different little things that we seem to niches. do, you know. Niches. Yeah. Your little niches. You know, and here we are. We are two kindred spirits, I tell you. Because, you know, I, I said, well, okay. Uh, I, 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 use, I use my um, – the reason I have what I have is because, you know, of course, like what you just said, I, I put all that bad negative uh, – the negative uh, – uh, Things are gone, like the OCD. My house is junky right now. I mean, back in the day, before prior to 2001, I couldn't see a spot on the wall. I couldn't, you know, now you should see my right. house. It's a blow-up. It's a blow-up. I have clothes all over the place, and the kitchen is a mess. The refrigerator is full of whatever, you know, from every, from every place that me and my son eat. And So this kind of thing I wouldn't be able to deal with. So I lost the OCD. I lost that. I lost the perfectionism. I, I lost uh, all that negative. And what I kept is what it keeps me to help other people. I put that into the, the, the helper, the helper, the helper in me. And uh, it, it really does, it really does work. And I, I see 
uh, I, I went on your site and I was going over and I see how you are ambitious uh, to to uh, do what you do and uh, you put a lot of it, it kind of enhances what you started and uh, it, it, it's amazing it's amazing I think people out there need to know that you can take some of the the bad part of mental illness you don't have to really deny it uh, but that's one thing you have to get past you got to get past the denial. And if we, if me and David can do anything for any of you guys out there right now who are listening, is to uh, advise you to uh, seek, seek uh, maybe us if you need to. You know we're here uh, to get more better understanding. Don't deny. Don't you're not you're not alone. You're not alone for one. And denial. The longer you deny it, the longer you'll be within that that illness until you let it go and that you know that there's so many different. Uh, because I had numbers of numerous different things going on. And the multi-personality thing, I, I realized, uh, you know, my brother had told me his wife, the same one, she had multi-personality and uh, she could change. And so I saw in me that I deal with certain people a certain way and I deal with that person, you know, just everybody's different. I still have it because I just realized the other day that, the one that's in me that speaks out the most that won't let anyone hurt me, that one, because, <laughs> you know, you have the one that protects you. If anybody ever read the book Sybil, uh, I I read it as a little kid. And uh, it, she had it, it, each personality. It's not just have to be a bad situation, but they step up for you. You know, I have a kind heart. And my kind heart gets me into situations, you know, in September. Right, September. right. We sometimes can go overkill on, on the kindness where people who prey on, on people to a point will prey on people who are charitable, and they will try to take advantage. And I, I know what you're saying. I can relate to that. There's have always you ever, someone comes around. Yeah. Have you ever uh, dealt with that? I mean, because my, my, my nice person inside, uh, this past September, you know, I was stabbed. By a young lady, and now I'm disabled, physically disabled. My right hand is physically disabled. So, because she stabbed me in my arm, and I was helping her. I was trying to, uh, you know, show her, you know, as a young age, her father was a pimp, and her mom was a a drug addict, and uh, uh, she was, she never had a good life. And my mentor, she had been dealing with my mentor ever since she was a 15 year old girl. Now she's 29, 30 now. And uh, so she came to me. All the years I've known her, and I tell you, I've known her for years. She's rolled on the outreach with us and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, she never, ever asked me for anything but maybe twenty, ten, or $20, you know, ever since I've known her. So she found out where I lived, and uh, she came over, and she, she says to me, she says, Gina, she said, I want to stop using drugs. And this young lady had never, you know, I mean, she would use crack, crystal. I mean, she even shot up uh, Tylenol. So the deal was, she found, she asked me a question about she wanted to get recovery. Now here I am. Now I'm about to graduate. This is like last year. I'm like, okay, well, you want you you don't want ten dollars. You want you don't want you want ten twenty dollars. She's like, no, I want to recover. So I took her in. You know, simply because she never ever asked me for anything. And I thought in my head, I said, well, I'm in this field. She'll be the very first person I'll be able to help. You know what I mean? And I can probably critique what I'm doing with her. Well, it led into me taking her to, you know, nicest places, you know, having her dress up and, you know, look like a lady, you know, and, and be a lady. And, you know, because men, you know, men treat her as though she's an object more more so than she's a person. So I took her out. Right. 
which ended up uh, me and her and my, my male friend Brian going to this uh, nice place where she met a millionaire and uh, who owns a bar. And, you know, I don't know what happened from that point to when we got in the car and we ended up going to Brian's house to where I got stabbed. So a lot of people looked at that situation and they're saying like, oh, okay, well, uh, the people who know me are like, well, you should have known better. So I took a lot of flack for that because it's like, well, even my mentor was like, well, he wasn't really trying to help her, help me help her. So I didn't really understand. He had already been there with her, done that with her. And sometimes when people have already went that step with you many of times that they they already know they, or they they instantly think that you don't want help, really. You're just trying to. And she's quite, manip- you know, she's a manipulator for way Right, back. right. I, I so, understand that. And she probably has her own mental health issues herself. And and that's obviously probably why she stabbed you for whatever reason in her own mind. But um, it's just that's sad, and I hate to hear that. But I, I don't I, think you I, knew, huh? I commend you on the work that you that you're doing because working with homeless people on the street can be a dangerous job, and you get you've done well with that and you're a survivor and and you'll get past the stabbing incident and you'll keep on doing what you're doing. You you won't let that stop you. Oh no. Oh you uh, what that was September. It's, it'll be another September. It'll be a year, right? And uh, my hand now, you know, everybody that knows me knows I'm a writer as well. I don't know if you know I'm a writer as well and uh, and I sing. So I You write these... some great posts. I mean, I know that you have some ability there cuz you we talk online, and you write some wonderful posts about different things, and and you've got some abilities there, yeah, and they're very commendable. Yeah, I had my 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 penmanship was perfect, you know. I, I still had that, right? So now I can't write, I can't hold a pen. So it was like, wow. It, I didn't realize it until like maybe two months later. I didn't go right back to the doc. She cut, uh, she had cut the, you know, where my wrist is. She had cut a tendon. I had lost a lot mm-hmm. of blood. But I didn't know that if you don't go back in a period of weeks that they can't repair it. And so that's where oh, I Oh, I see. Yeah. So, you know, and I was I was involved in helping my mentor too and uh he had he had he he slipped off of you know, off of his recovery after seventeen years. And so now I'm trying to save his the man who saved my life, I'm trying to save his. So I didn't know I should have went right back after the four weeks, so I didn't go back. So when I finally did go back, it was maybe like a month and a half later, and that's when I found out that uh, they, it's not really much that they can do if I didn't return right back. So I, they didn't say, make sure you come, you know, and then I got involved in helping him. And you know, I always put myself uh, second to, to other people. I, I, it's something just in me. I, even as a, even before when I was a mean, kind of cruel, kind of financially driven, because I used to be, I, I was worse than a, What's his name? Uh, Ebene- Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, I, I would give, but I was all about <laughs> I, that money. You know, right? That's all- me too. I was all about trying to get out there and and make that money. And uh, and positive thinking was more of an excuse for me to just keep being so driven and put other people behind me. You know, and and now it's the other way around. I I want to lift other people up because they. You know, we may have bipolar disorder, but there's so many people out there with so many worse things. We're very blessed to be able to, yes, you know, we're very blessed. And get you a, a rubber ball or something and keep working that hand, you know. Oh, work on it, right, right? Work you, on you know, it, yeah, work on it. It's like you know, your personality. Everybody's got to work on something. We, we, you know, I had a cast on at first, too, and, I, you know, I, I messed up with that, too, because, 
the cast uh, was the kind that you can take off and put on. It wasn't the. Uh, you wasn't took the it off case. before you were supposed to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shame oh yeah. Because on I you. was wondering. Because it kept the thumb. See, it kept the thumb. It kept the thumb apart. I didn't know. Look, I didn't know. No one told. I mean, it all happened so fast. And when I realized that the officer was there, and you know, I really didn't get the, you know get any good knowledge from the the doctor who did the you know the sewing up and everything. I didn't get anything from her, so I didn't know. You know, it was a, from my friend Jay in New York who had told me, he said, you, you took your cast off? And I said, well, yeah, because I can't really uh, move my thumb. <laughs> so he's like, well, that's why you have it on. <laughs> You're not supposed to move your thumb, right? So I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So I put it back on, right? So I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, oh. So I, I, on top of everything, I, I kind of added, in, uh, you know, what what is it, injury to? Insult to injury. Yeah. Now, so, let me ask you, did the girl who, who stabbed you, did she go to jail for this or what did what happened to her what transpired with her situation now this is now this is what's going to shock everybody i've been telling you about how long beach is kind of doing me uh now it, during the whole the whole uh, uh stabbing and everything my friend brian who is a 24 year vet right one of the cops see and i have to say see long beach is officials and there are people who are supposed to be helping they're not really helping so during the whole thing, as they wheel me out, one of the cops pushes him, and it was his house. He pushes him, which starts something else. And so she ends up, they caught her in the alley with my car keys to my car. She had took my car keys. My wallet was missing. My um, my my uh, my iPhone was missing. So they caught her in the alley, and I guess she had my keys, and she threw them in the bushes, what she said, because I ended up speaking to her afterwards. This happened on a Wednesday night. Uh, he was released. Brian was released because they put him in jail too. He was released Friday. She was released Sunday. So she never got to get to the the judge on Monday. You know, she, some she said that some detective, uh, Ramirez or whatever, came in and released her. Told her she was free. They told them both that they didn't like they didn't have to go back to to court. Did so they, they skip out? Is that what they did? No, no. She no. Let, let me tell you how they, this is how this city runs. Uh, he, Brian, we, we thought that he was free and, you know, of all charges because, you know, we thought DA dropped it. Well, I think about maybe a month later, he gets a letter in the mail that says he had two, two weeks to the 25th to appear on the on the case. So he calls me, he says, well, well what the hell? And I said, okay, I, I'll go with you. He, he automatically gets an attorney. He gets an attorney. The attorney tells him he doesn't have to go to court on the first time because he said he'll speak for him. So he pays his guy. We end we end up going and sneaking in the courtroom just to you know because I told him I said well he's in a, a Long Beach attorney so I said we can't trust that right <laughs> you know because they all work together the judges the police the attorneys they all work together and t- to their betterment so I said I don't I don't know where he got this guy when I saw him in the courtroom he looked a little you know disheveled and, you know he's a white guy but he looked disheveled and so I'm like oh my god so when the judge calls he says the state versus uh, Brian Holmes and he says LaPorsche said both of them. So she's not there. So he says, well, I want her picked up and whatever. I tell you, from that day to today, she's been on this. She's She's been over here by my house. She's been here. She's broke. My windows are broken. My house, she's on the street free, on the street free. I get. I do a show. When I come back on, I do a show about it. And then a Cherokee sister calls in and says, well, do you wonder why she never saw a judge? And I said, no. You know, uh, I'm like, no, they let her out. And I had I hadn't seen her yet, so she said, "Well, you know, she's an informant." And I was like, "You know, she blew it up on the radio." So I said, "Okay." 
I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I be careful what I think or what I let people influence me because, you know, I have paranoid schizophrenia. If I get to thinking crazy, then I might slip right. back into much of darkness. So I, I, I let her say what she said, and I, I just, I, I, I rode with it. Well, right, here today, right. here, here today, I know uh, she is. She, she's what she is. They don't want her. They don't want her. They need her where she is. They need her on the streets. This young lady knows everybody who does whatever. She she knows it all. She can tell them where this house, that house, who, the, who knows them by name. She's better for them on the street than being locked up. And that's another fact. That, that could be dangerous for, for her, too, because her ends could be worse than what she did to you, you know. So. She had just but become... She had just become a member, and this is what's funny, too. All the years she had been dealing with Cherokee and working with the village, they never really helped her. They Look, when she got out when she got out that Sunday, she, for the first time of all these years, the village had her apartment for her that Monday. She got out Sunday. The next day, she moved into her apartment. They paid for it, and they knew. The village did know. They had started her on medication. She had never – see, she had told me that she was off the drugs, she wasn't doing that. She wasn't doing that. And she, she was here with me, so I know she wasn't doing the drugs because she was in my home. But I didn't understand that, you know, I guess whenever – she didn't go out that much, not the first week or so. But then she would go out. She said, I'll be right back. And, you know, I trusted her. Of course, I mean, she – I mean, for her to come to me in the first place, why would she do that? That's what I'm thinking. So come to find out, yeah, she was – the village had her on vacation that she wasn't taking normally. And we all, we must tell everybody this. When you do start a medication, it's, it's a two-week period in which it takes to get into your bloodstream uh, for it to start right, working. Right, right. It's not, it's not like you can take a pill one day and then take another pill another day because it'll throw you, you throw, it'll throw your whole re- – whatever you're trying to do is not going to help it. And so, how many of our friends will say, they'll say, uh, well, I'm just going to take my my – I'm not going to go drink tonight, so I'm going to take my antidepressant hmm. tonight. But when I go party tomorrow night, I'm not going to take my antidepressant. That's a recipe for failure. I mean, Tell him, David. We see Tell that him. all the time. We see that all the time. That is that is the worst. The worst thing we can do as as being uh, diagnosed is to take our medication as we pre- as we prescribe as we as we prescribe. <laughs> right. You know that you just can't do it like that. I, I know. Let's do a time. Let's do a time check, and we we'll do a call letter. Um, I know you might want to. Uh, We'll get you a break because we have kind of been talking, uh, what, nonstop almost an hour and a half just about, right? And we do have right. another hour and a half to go. So I'm going to go ahead. Is there anything, any kind of music that you might like? I might have it in my studio. I don't know. Do you have any Etta James or oh, you Whitney know, Houston? Or? Whitney Houston. Uh, give me another name. <laughs> I don't have any Etta. I don't have any Whitney. I uh, like Mary J. Blige, too. You know, oh, you do? Uh, okay, well, let me see if I find something. Oh, you know, speaking on this, uh, there are a lot of young children out here. Uh, one thing I can say about my my two young people, they uh, when they came out when we came out here, they started helping other children. There were children uh, that were in the uh, you know how they have these internet cafes, and, and you would wonder and open all night. And my son ended up informing me that mom, you know, the the kids that are in the internet cafe, they kind of like they let them hang out there because they're homeless. And so I'm like, wow. So my my here's my son taking all his clothes and taking them down. 
And they, oh, he's a great young man. I was like, wow, are you serious? And so I said, well, I talked to Cherokee. I said, we got to do something. And, you know, we got these kids who are, I mean, they're young kids, and they're like 18, 19 years old. They don't have any family. So and we, we turned to focus. My, my son and my daughter were able to bring us a whole different slew of, of, of uh, an issue to do. So since that being this next song I'm going to play, it's actually it's by Ludacris and Mary J. Blige. And it's for the uh, young runaway, uh, young ladies out there. And, uh, you know, when he did the song, uh, Ludacris is a rapper, and uh, a lot of people don't really deal with rappers. The only reason I kind of like him is because he speaks on what it is that we should know. It's not always the negative B word. Right, negative right. N-word. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. Yeah, he's he's got some positive stuff. It's not all it, the negativity. So, yeah, you're right on that. And he got a lot of you in him because uh, he started his own production company. A lot of people say black people don't have this. They don't have their own this. He owns his own, and he makes sure that he tells everybody, pay your taxes. <laughs> pay your taxes. Right. right. He, you know, he's the first rapper because he's paid up. He's paid over. You know, so they won't have to come back, with, which I have found out, too. Our government, our city officials, they can really basically do what they want. That's how they told my car a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people don't they don't like what I'm doing, but I guess on Blog Talk, I'm the only uh, black person out here. Well, I'm not. I'm I'm a mixed race. So it's hard to tell people what, what you are, but it's like I'm the only one of this skin color who on on this on this blog talk that uh, speaks about what I speak about. Everybody else is doing, you know, Christian and uh, religious, you know, shows, and so I'm the first one out here, and so I'm getting a lot of feedback. A lot of people don't like what I'm doing, so but you're it's just like, telling it like it is, Gina, and that's great. You just telling it like it is. Don't sugarcoat it. That's that's <laughs> yeah, what I'm getting yeah. from you. You're not sugarcoating anything. You're just telling it like it is, and that's that's rare to see. Everybody wants to sugarcoat everything. Give a, a give a facade or a farce of what it is. I love you, David. You know what? We're we're gonna be friends forever. So it's like you know what? I want you to teach me what it is that I know I'm lacking some things, and and you have them. And like when when I was speaking in Ludacris, he did his own thing, like what you did. You know, you just said, hell, I'm not going to deal with all these people and have all these people involved in my in, in what I'm trying to do. Because, of course, other people coming in, fluent, especially when it comes to our governments and cities, and they, they're going to want to influence you about how you should help people. And th- like I say, it shouldn't be a choice of, of what we want. It should be what they need, not what It's kind of like he who gives the grant controls what goes on. And, and if you're trying to run a great charity, you don't want red tape and and politics involved. If someone needs help or, or you want to do something, you should be able to do that without a lot of red tape and politics. But that's not always the case. I understand that, you know, if someone's providing a grant, they want to know everything. And in some cases, that's good. In some cases, that's bad. But that's just the way it is. So. But you don't do it that you You have really changed my whole... Now, I know I can get the 501 as well, but then also, too, I know I can do it without it. And you showed me the connection between the two. Um, since uh, we have been going on for about an hour and a half, I'm going to go ahead and this the song I'm going to play. It's going to be for the young ladies out there who are on the streets. And uh, it's called Runaway Love, and it has Mary J., and it has Ludacris in it as well. And then after that, I'll play another song so it gives you a minute or so so we can go ahead and grab something to drink and, uh, you know, uh, Take a breather, and uh, then we'll right, be back right. two and two. Uh, before I take a break, is there anything that you, anybody out there, you want to give a shout out to? Or I'd like to say hi to my sister Linda Hendren. She's a registered nurse, and she does a great job working with people with special needs herself. 
Wow. Your sister. I'd like to give a shout-out there to my brother. I haven't talked to him in so long. I'm starting to worry. A shout-out there to Bishop Brett Molino out of uh, La Harbor, California. Uh, anybody here who's out there listening, who I have a lot of family on Facebook. If you guys have spoken to my brother, um, I'm trying to reach him, and I really don't want to have to go to La Harbor to find out anything because, of course, you know, I, I you know, any any bad news will be really bad news for me, and uh, I'm not really that close with my sister-in-law, and uh, I, I haven't, you know, spoken to him, and uh, I know they think I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm kind of hardcore, David, but you know, you know, of course, it, you have to be kind of hardcore to be able to do some of the things that I have done, and so I know that they probably wouldn't come tell me anything, you know, if you know, uh, you know. So I'm 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 starting to feel really bad about that. So shout out there, anybody out there who knows where my brother is, and you know, have him call me or you guys call me and let me know that as well. I'm gonna do a time check and uh, call letter and answer this phone. I know you hear this phone ringing. You know, this is what kills me. Now you guys know I'm on. <laughs> Why are you gonna call me on the phone? It's like call me on the number is three four seven two three seven. Nine five one seven. Uh, when I'm on air, of course, uh, so all you have to do is call. If you have anything nice you'd like to say, just come, feel free. But not on the cell phone. You guys, it's a blow-up. <laughs> it's a blow-up. Uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and take us a break. It is now 23 after the hour. This is Gina's Groove Theory. This is your KXRW, Long Beach, California. This is your Community Connection Internet Radio Station, and you're here with me, David Henshaw, out of Longview, Texas, and Gina out of Long Beach, California. We're going to take our little break, and we'll be back at 2 and 2. You hang on. Right? Don't you hang up, David. Keep your phone okay. on. Make sure that make sure that it's charged, too, because well, if you're on the home phone, you're good. But if you're on the cell phone, just make sure it's charged up, because once I lose after that second hour, they can't, you can't call in, and I can't call out. So we'll, we'll do that. This cut I'm going to play is for the young runaway uh, children, and uh, it's what... Uh, Ludacris and Mary J did, and in an effort, and I think they took all the the monies from the the song, the album, and they applied that to our young out there. Much love to them, and make sure that they're safe tonight. And if I can do anything, is to make a a way for to to make it that there not be any hungry people, there not be any homeless people. I make a call out to all out there who have a lot of money and uh, you want to do something special for someone. I say we need to get our communities back together. Uh, Especially when it comes to, there's going to be a day soon that's going to be a, it's the division between rich and poor and being, it's that, uh, and, and God and the devil. It's going to be who you're going to choose, what side you're going to be on. If you're, let's, let's, let me define this before I go to the music break. If you're poor means, uh, say if your alternator on your car goes out and you can't go get it right away, then you, you fit my category. If, in fact, that, you know, whatever happens, what disaster that takes money happens and you can do it right away, then you're rich. Other than that, if you're in the struggle, then you're like me. If you live around the corner from me and you pay 2000 a month and I might pay 800 or whatever, we're all in the same neighborhood. Our children go to the same school. So there's no – everybody, there's no difference between who or money or any of that. Success is defined by what you are appreciative of today, not for what you have. So with that, you guys, we need to make a difference. You know, uh, in the end of all things, you will find that uh, not being of assistance is, is the worst thing that we can do. So here on the Genius Groove Theory, it is now 25 after the hour. Thank you guys for being here. Here's Runaway Love by Ludacris. Yeah. 
And it go a little something like this. Trying to figure out why the world is so cold Why she's all alone and they never met her family Mama's always gone and she never met her daddy Part of her is missing and nobody will listen Mama's on drugs, getting high up in the kitchen Bringing home in at different hours of the night Starting with some laughs, usually ending in a fight Sneaking in a room when her mama's knocked out Trying to have his way and little Lisa says out She tries to resist but then all he does is beat her Tries to tell her mom but her mama don't believe her Lisa's stuck up in the world on her own Forced to think that hell is a place called home Nothing else to do but get some clothes and pack She says she's about to run away and never come back Like Steady trying to figure why the world is so cold Why she's not pretty and nobody seems to like her Alcoholic stepdad always want to strike her Yells and abuses, leaves her with some bruises She just asks questions, she's making up excuses Bleeding on the inside, crying on the eyes There's only one girl really knows what she's about Her name is Little Stacy and they become friends Promise that they'll always be tight till the end Until one day Little Stacy gets shot A drive-by bullet went straight up on a block Now Nicole stuck up in the world on her own Forced to think that hell is a place called home Nothing else to do but get her clothes and pack She says she's about to run away and never come back Steady trying to figure why the world is so cold So she pops X to get rid of all the pain Plus she's having sex with a boy who's 16 Emotions run deep and she thinks she's in love So there's no protection, he's using no glove Never thinking about the consequences of her actions Living for today and not tomorrow's satisfaction The days go by and her belly gets big The father bails out, he ain't ready for a kid Knowing her mama will blow it all out of proportion Plus she lives poor, so no money for abortion Erica is stuck up in the world on her own Forced to think that hell is a place called home Nothing else to do but get her clothes and pack She says she about to run away and never come back
I can only imagine what you're going through, ladies. Sometimes I feel like running away myself. So do me a favor right now and close your eyes. And picture us running away together. When we come back, everything is going to be okay. Open your eyes. Hello, we're back with Genius Groove Theory. It is now 30 after the hour. Thank you guys for showing up. I much love to everybody out there. It takes a lot of strength, courage, and wisdom to get to where we are, and uh, it's possible for any and everybody. This next song I'm playing is by India Iree, and it's called, namesake, Strength, Courage, and Wisdom. Get it together, people. We can do this. This is your Genius Groove Theory. This is KXRW. Your Community Connection Internet Radio Station. Thank you for being here, and here you guys go. This is uh, Strength, Courage, and Wisdom by India Ari.
Hello, everybody. You're back with Gina's Groove Theory. That was India Irie, Strength, Courage, and Wisdom. Uh, it is now 36 after the hour. Uh, I'm looking for a special uh, song for you guys out there that like the old kind of music. I uh, want to find something that uh, we'll take our last break with, and uh, I'm looking for it. Oh, I got it. I think I did. Yeah, I do have it. Um, actually, uh, it's 36 after the hour. This is Gina's Groove Theory. This is your KXRW uh, in your community connection internet radio station broadcasting out of Long Beach, California. You're out here with Texas and California today. We're bringing you some good informative information that you guys need. Uh, in other words, yeah, you do need that strength to be able to uh, get out and do the things that David does out there in Texas, and you need uh, courage to, to remain in it. And uh, wisdom is what you learn as you uh, you take that journey. And so this song I'm going to play is actually the average white band, and I really love this. When I'm riding, uh, I like to just turn it up. You know, there's something about that Bosch and that and that uh, that uh, surround sound that makes it sound real good. So this is actually Schoolboy Crush. Uh, after that, we'll come back and we'll be talking back to David, and we'll take that last hour out, and we'll have a little bit of fun. We'll talk about. Anything you guys want to talk about. So if you call in, do call in before the end of this hour so you guys can uh, speak and uh, we can share with you guys anything that you guys need. And you guys at home who don't like to speak, you guys just send me a text. I can still receive texts, but I'm not good at sending them out. Uh, with that, here's uh, Schoolboy Crush. Uh, it's an old cut. I don't know. I'm going to ask David when we come back if he, if he remembers it. I love this cut. So here we go. This is Jenna's Groove Theory, and here is Schoolboy Crush. Thank you. 
You're back with Gina's School Theory. It's a beautiful Sunday today, and it's 45 after the hour. That was Schoolboy Crush by the Average White Boy. Hope you guys remembered that one. And before we go back into uh, our discussion about what, what it is that we, we do out here and what it is that you guys can do, I'm going to go ahead and touch you guys with a little bit of inspirational. Uh, it brought me through a lot, and uh, it's actually Trinity 5-7, and it's called Mary, Don't You Weep. So for you guys that are feeling kind of down, feeling kind of bad, you have to understand. Crying, okay, it makes you feel better. After a period of time, I used to think crying was a sign of weakness. It's not. It is. Uh, that was my mental illness. I didn't know I had prior. Um, it is not. It is. A, it is. It is not needed when you have people out here like me and David and the other Cherokee and people out here who work to help. And uh, there, it's a, it's a very slim a number of us, but we're here. So being it that we're here, we offer and extend our hands out to all of you guys. So this cut is by Trinity 5-7. It's called Mary, Don't You Weep. And I hope you're having a blessed, beautiful day today. This is your KXRW, your community connection, internet radio station broadcasting out of Long Beach, California. And I'm Gina, and you're on The Theory. Here you guys go. Mary, Don't You Weep.
Broadcasting out of Long Beach, California. That was Trinity 5-7, Mary Don't You Weep. Um, I'm going to play another cut before this, the end of the hour. I'm going to play Mariah. As everybody knows, Mariah Carey is my favorite of all artists. And this, this song I'm going to play actually brought me through a lot of hard times. You know, when I looked at the the uh, outcome of how people treated me, you know, when I was out there homeless with the kids and then afterwards, I uh, I built up a lot of, you know, animosity. And uh, when this song came out, it was like 2000, 2009, 2008 or nine. And uh, I played it, and I heard it when I first heard it. I said, wow, you know, it brought me through a lot, and it taught me that, you know, not to have any animosity against anybody. Everybody has the right to, and the choice to help you or not help you. And uh, then I didn't have that much help. But uh, all I could do is after listening to it, I used to cry when I first played it, and then I, over a period of time it brought me joy. It's a cut that she had on her album, her M her E M E M C equals square album, um, where she's Mimi actually, the anticipation of Mimi, and that was uh, it inspired me. So I want to play it for you guys, so you guys can hear it. It's called Wish You Wish You Wish You Well. Uh, in other words, that's what you do. 
when people, uh, no matter what they do to you, no matter how you feel about anybody, you just wish them well. You say to them, you know, I hope you have the best life you could ever have in your life. I wish you the best. I wish you, I wish you well. So this is this is Mariah Carey and wish you well. Much love to all you guys. It is now 53 after the hour. After that, we're going to our discussion. So thank you guys for being here. Much to everybody. I hope you're doing a doing whatever makes you happy and that you're sharing it with your loved ones. That's very important today. So here we go. This is Wish You Well by my girl, Mariah. And I wish you all well, too, as well. So here, here we go. Wish you well. This is up to you and you.
perfect peace. Hi, everybody. We're back with Jenna's Groove Theory. This is at the end of the second hour, so I'm going to go ahead and play this out. This is Love is in Need of Love today. When we come back after the hour, then we'll continue our discussion. It is now 58 after the hour, and I'm going to take you out with Love is in Need of Love today. Oh, pardon me. That was my girl. Love is in Need of Love today. So remain where you are. Stay out there, David. I'll be with you right after the hour. So here is Love is in Need of Love today. That's what we need. friendly announcer I have serious news to pass on to everybody what I'm about to say couldn't mean the world's disaster could change your joy and
Genius Groove Theory is five after the hour. This is your KXRW, your community connection internet radio station, and I'm Gina from the Theory. Thank you guys for showing. Uh, this is going to be the last part of our, our show. Let's go ahead and check in with David and see what he's doing. Music you're putting on. Hello? Hey. <laughs> what, hey. what was that? Hi, David. I said, I'm listening to the great music you're putting on out there. You like it? Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Uh, uh, any of the songs you've heard before? Uh, yeah, I've heard some of them. Uh, Stevie Wonder, that that right there, uh, when I um, when I downloaded that, that's one of the, it was in the last bunch of uh, songs that I downloaded in the, uh, in the uh, uh, studio. And uh, it, it's like, uh, I remember it as being a, a little girl and uh it's like uh, when I think about how our, our world is today, and I think about all the the struggle and the pain and the you know the people are so disenchanted with each other, and uh, I, I just think like, well, you know what? Uh, there's something I can do. Uh, shout out there to Mr. Frank Rucco and Mr. Phil Davis. Uh, Mr. Phil Davis is a politician. He's a conservative, and uh, Mr. Rucco, as you guys know, he is the host of uh, AM 970 in Miami, Florida. And uh, they they joined on my team about three weeks ago, and I tell you, uh, I I love everybody. Uh, I'm uh, there's I have no prejudice against anybody anymore. I have no judgment against anybody. And so when they joined on my team, you know, I, I kind of think like, well, you know, what is it that they want from me? A lot of people give me information, just like how uh, David sent me. He sent me a CD and he sent me information, and and I will share that. I'm trying to find a good decent way to share all that I have with everybody in the whole world. So that I can uh, inspire and get other states and cities to do the same thing that we're doing. See, if, if what you do there and what I do here, you know, if there's a one of either of us in in every state, then it'll be awesome. Or if there's a... Radio oh, yeah, that show, would be great. Yeah, be there's great. a... I tell people, you know what? You can have your own radio station. Uh, I'm supposed to go over to Impact Radio, um, but they I, I don't know what the guidelines are going to be, but I'll whatever it is that I can do to be on seven days a week, like I am now, that's that's what I, I would roll with. But I'll I'll do theirs as well. Take one day away from blog talk and, and do it like that. But um, if I could have, if there could be one, I tell people uh, it doesn't cost much to have your own radio show. Really, it doesn't. Uh, it all it, it, it's really not even in my budget to be honest. <laughs> Me and my seriously, my rent is you know barely six six, and it's like I I got two two hundred to work with. So it's God that keeps this radio station on. <laughs> I tell you because. 
after rent. That's you know, that's just about it. So it's like uh he keeps it on that way and so I share this with everybody else. It's thirty nine dollars to have a a radio show on Blog Talk. I mean, that's the least. That's the least. I think that's probably why I can't get into my, because I had the $99 plan before, and I could get into my studio and make calls and call people. I think that may has changed because I had to drop an hour. You know, I did have to drop an hour to be able to suit it into my, my budget. It, it's something that I, I want to keep going. I want, and, and I, as much as it's it's more and more people are coming out, just like Mr. Davis and Mr. Ruko, and they they come out and they say you're doing a good job, and I like what you do, and and uh, it's more it's the much as I know that I'm touching somebody, one person, and uh, you know how you came out, David. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate everything that you do. Uh, as to give you acknowledgement too, uh, you are a warrior. You are a um, you are a pioneer of what you do. There's not a lot of people I have ever to hear anybody do what you did. And uh, and not to say that no one else is out there doing it, but you took a step, you know, strength, courage, and wisdom, and to take a step out, to step out and say, I'm going to do this. And you did it. And you shown me and who, you know, I have the right heart. I have the right intention. So a person like me, you touch. So with that, that means I can go ahead and do the same thing that you did, and I can think like you did. See, it's for fear of the outcome is what we all in, we endure when we think about doing, you know, taking a leap. And uh, that right. fear, that fear can keep you from doing a lot of things. And, and it takes you, like you, coming to me and befriending me and being my friend and talking to me and sharing what you do, you know, that, you know, I needed to hear. So I really, my hat's off. My hat's off to you. And uh, your work is, 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 is needed. And I know there's a lot of uh, people out there who, you know, I mean, I, I I wish you were in my state. So I mean, you can got, you come pick me up and take me out on an adventure too. You know, you have the Make a Wish <laughs> Foundation. You know, right. I, I I don't know how they're structured, but I know they have something to do with the state and federal and all the extra. You know, they I, I'm quite sure. I've yet to ever hear that. So my hats off to you, and I want my audience out there to know that you are doing something that takes a lot of courage, a lot of you know, like people say, you got to have wables, wables, or whatever they call it, to do that kind of thing. <laughs> And yeah, seriously, is it Wables? Yeah, you gotta have that. And uh, you are just, you're an amazing, amazing person. And I know you go through a lot, you know, with your own life, and you still keep going. So you have, uh, you've given me another uh, couple of years in this business, <laughs> in this business of giving. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah, you're doing great work out there for the for the homeless community and and the mentally ill community. You're doing great work, and I admire what you do as well. And it's okay for normal. You know, some people say, do you help me? I, I help just not. See, I don't just focus. Uh, the other day, last week, when I was in um, uh, with the, I was in the career center at school, and I was trying to find out, um, you know, what it is, you know, after graduation. So, you know, you have to plan, and you have to go in and make plans. So, in speaking with her, I found out that uh, I'm under social sciences. So, she said, well, what are you focusing on? And it's, I'm not on the drug and alcohol thing. I'm not on the... You know, if 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 I had to if I had to define it and to narrow it down, to be honest with you, it'd be women and children, uh, simply because uh, I was a woman who, at the age of 33, was homeless with her 13 and 14 year old boy and girl. That is a very unique situation. I found out that you know when it comes to shelters and things like that, if you're a woman who's running from a abusive husband, or you come from domestic violence, they'll they'll help you. But if you're just like, well, I lost a job, I lost everything, kind of person with a boy and a girl. The boy was 13, the girl was 14. 
uh, you can't get into a shelter with a, a child at the age of 13, a boy, male child. See, I couldn't go to a woman's shelter because I had the 13-year-old boy child. And I couldn't oh, go. Oh, I see. You feel me? Yeah. It, because yeah. of the safety of the other ladies in there. So I was out. There was nothing for me. There was nothing for me. And I was in Redondo Beach, California. Anybody that knows, shout out to the Redondo. I love Redondo Beach. But there's nothing out there for a woman like me. There's a family crisis center in which I just befriended on uh, LinkedIn, one of uh, their top people over there. That, there was nothing for me. And so when my friend Stephanie, who was on yesterday, she said, come out to Long Beach. We got some uh, programs out here. And when I came out here, it's like, okay, wow. It has been a journey of, for me. It has been a journey of awakening. I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, Awakening. Uh, Robert De Niro was in it. It's long, it's right, yes, yes. That's a great movie. That is a that yeah. movie right there is beautiful, isn't it? Yes, as is Patch Adams too. The great movie. Oh, and that one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I had to do uh, a couple of semesters ago. You know, a lot of professors use that in their uh, human services classes to teach you, uh, you know, how to be a, a, a decent provider. See, you went, you went like I went. We went by our personal experiences with uh, the medical and you know psychiatric people. We went from our own personal experiences from what we saw, and that's what encouraged us to do what we do. And that's what I do see. And uh, that's the best way to go because you got to kind of like it, you almost not not that you have to to the kids who are going to school who've never seen what they're getting into when it comes to human services or you know in, in, into social work. Uh, some of them don't even know really. They just want to. They just want to be a social worker, but they don't really know what it entails. I always encourage people uh, from that standpoint. I get. A, I catch. I, I hear Cherokee say a lot. He's like uh, that book learned. You know. You know. Because he. You know. He's like I don't have a high school. You know. He goes into that. You know. But he has God's guidance. It's a different thing. He didn't have to get a degree. He didn't have to do all that. He did get his alcohol and you know the certificates and stuff from K Day. KDAC, and, and, you know, he is certified with them, but it, it's that life experience along with that book, you know, you know, knowledge, and I think every professor who's involved in anything that has to do with human, human, uh, you know, uh, inter, interaction needs to get their students involved in, you know, working with the people out there. See, to tell someone how you are is totally different than for you to have to learn. When you learn it slowly... Or to read it in a book, and it's totally different. Uh, and no two cases are alike, you know, when you're dealing with homeless people or disabled people. You know, like you said, there's there's just so many variations on that, and and that's one of the hardest things for people coming out of school to to learn is that there's not it's not all black and white. You know, there's gray area with mental illness, with handicaps, with all of these different things. Gray area. I before before 2001, I didn't have a gray area. Remember, I told you a little while ago. I was right. You were a lot like me on that. I was very uh, more conservative than I am. I'm still a little conservative, but uh, <laughs> yeah. not as much as I used to be. You know, I, I'm more compassionate towards people with that are not as fortunate. Uh, so we're fortunate. It maybe sometimes we don't feel like we are, but we are. You are. You we, yeah, we are. Okay, I, I'll say we are. We are very fortunate, and we, and we must share it with others, and that's what we do. And um, I, I, I know there are a lot of listeners out there, people who down, it, people who archive my show and listen to my show. Uh, there are certain shows that really, um, when you look at it, you say, "Oh, I have a large woman following," but I have a large following when it's something really important. 
uh, there are going to be some serious topics I'm going to be bringing up. And I, I, I really want everybody, everybody to really accept and to embrace them. Because right at this time, they're, you know, I mean, what we're doing for the people in our states, you know, it's going to, it's, it's, it's bad times coming up. And, and there's so many things that Americans don't know. And I'm finding them out. And so I'm going to be bringing those things out. I know I put myself in a situation uh, where I can, you know, be uh, tampered with and messed with. And I, I just kind of feel like this, you know, uh, God got my back and he covers me. There's nothing that you can do. When, when we're Like how we are children of God, we're children of God because what we have done is we have, you know, experienced it. We have lived through it. We have decided to ourselves and with others who are like us that we're going to do something about it. And, you know, God has a special, he has a special uh, light, a smile for us because he's like, wow, you know, you're doing what I ask of you. And you're doing it, you know, out of your heart, not because you want to gain anything. And I always tell people motivation should be motivation, but don't have a motive with that motivation. Right, right. If you're if you're doing something for the money or the recognition, uh, that's not always the right reason. Uh, you know, we've got to remember to do things for the right reason. We need to help others for the right reason, and because they need help, that's just that simple. Yeah, and don't go to school. I mean, if you if you know what I advise, and I found out a lot from other people too, it's like if you're going to school, right? If you're going to school to uh, uh, do something because you're making money. Uh, because you want to make more money. That's all good because, you know, I do encourage you young people to get out there and bust your butts and do it. But in the case of when it comes to human services and social work and psychiatric, uh, sociology things, things of the human, things that are directly where you're going to have to come in contact with humans, uh, if you're not really a, a conversationist and if you really don't like people that much, it's just not one you would want. I, I, I don't I don't, uh, I don't tell you to get in. You, you really have to kind of like people a little bit and you have to, be able just like when you go for the jury. I was called for the jury. I didn't show up, so let's hope they don't come pick me up, right? But I guess I'm like, I don't, you know, I really am not too good with Long Beach right now. So me walking into their jury duty is not going to happen. You know, what I mean, I walked into the city hall to claim my car, which they legally took from me. You know, they they do a lot of underhanded things. If I could put an end to anything, it's it's that kind of, you know. I don't like, you know, I'm no angel. I tell it, you know, like you you admit to, we're cut up. The bottom line is that don't proclaim to be. It will never say what I won't do, never, but I will tell you this. When it comes to me doing this, what I do, I do it strictly, you know, uh, 100%, 150% with the right with the, the right way. I don't have any reasons to lie to anybody. I don't have any reasons to, you know, I, there's no motive here. Uh, me, uh, God, dollar, seven bucks, like I said, is, is just pretty much what he gives me. He, he says, okay, girl. You and you know when I'm cutting up, I hear him say, "Cut it out, Gina. I'm gonna get you." You know, so you know I kind of listen. I, I mentally I talk to him all the time when I'm doing or saying anything that I I feel that he's not gonna like. You know, and if I'm just joking around, because most of the time when I'm doing that, I'm joking and you know cutting up and clowning. But and I would say, "Okay, God, I got you." You know, I I'll stop it. You know, he's like Gina, don't you better cut that out. I'm gonna take you. You don't want to go back there. You like you know? No, I don't. So when I when I do what I do, I do it strictly because it's something I love doing. It's the best job I've ever had. I mean, the corporate uh, job, I made the money. Uh, this job is, I don't know what you would call the job we do. It's uh, not corporate, actually. It's, uh, I don't know, it's uh, something that we created ourselves, I guess. But it, it's It's a extreme. fulfilling job, yes. It's a fulfilling job. It may not be financially fulfilling, but it's fulfilling. 
Yeah, as opposed to what you used to do when you were making that money, because you know you—that's another thing we're parallel. Like, uh, used to be, you know, if I didn't have two grand in my, per- I mean, two grand cash on me every day, I thought that I was inadequate. Can you believe that? Wow. So in our lives prior to that, uh, what, what, the life before you had, uh, have you been able to visit, revisit, and go back to where you were? Because I have, uh, go back to where you were and to look at where you came from and then say. Wow, I'm more happier today than I really was back then. Yeah, yeah, I, I've really been able to reconcile that, and and it's interesting. And there's so many great stories out there. And you had said before the break, uh, mentioned talking about mentioning people. I wanted to mention Billy Hill as the, the co-founder of the charity, and he was in a horrible car wreck at 14 and lost his his arm. And uh, he's the type of person that never wants anyone to feel sorry for him. He's always out. He's more of a doer. He's kind of shy about talking in public or on events like this or things where we have to be more public. But when he's dealing with the special need folks, he's great because he can relate to them so much, what they've gone through. And he had to have some facial reconstruction. And he's just a great guy and a hard worker. And uh, what else can you say about someone like that? He's, He's a great example for other people with special needs. Wow. So send a shout out there to him as well. Uh and you know, you just you just gave me another light bulb. So in other words, I think uh when things like that happen to us, like uh I I met this professor and he's at Long Beach City and he's uh quadriplegic and at seventeen he had a car accident. Uh you know, on lunch break him and some friends were going to get lunch at lunch and he had a bug and he had a crash and the the friend walked out walked out with no with a scratch. He walked out well, he never walked out. And uh, today, he he's one of a different kind of a quadriplegic. He does have he does have feeling. So get this, and, and this is this is a very rare case. So this also woke me up too. He's a professor now. He t- he turned it around. And he wasn't headed. I don't think he was headed in the direction he is. But now he is overcoming. So what pe- persons persons he's the one and only persons with disabilities professor. Who has start? Who is a part of the Goal Project out here at Long Beach City? The Goal Project is for the achievement of disabled people. I am in that. Uh, when he saw, you know, when I got to meet him, I took his class, and uh, he he is uh, Human Services 15, which is Persons with Disabilities. That was an exciting class, David. I tell you, it's something I advise everybody. You don't even have to want to be uh, uh, involved in this, but it's, it's something really. The, the the people that he brought before us, the, the you know on the days that he had people come in, it was a young lady who went to Long Beach City. She had been uh, she was she got disabled later on in life because some uh, a guy had came in through acid in her face, and so that got her where she was. And then she was blind. And then you know the question he asked us when we first got in the class is like, which one would you rather be? He gave us four choices: Would you want to be physically disabled? Would you want to be blind? Would you want to be um, quadriplegic? Or you know, we had the four to go with. And I always thought that I would prefer to just be, you know, the mental disability. That's that, you know, that's what I would say. If I had, a, if I had a, a choice, it would be that because I would want to be handicapped. I would want to be blind because I think it would be hard. But what he did was he paraded each and every one of the <laughs> in front of us, even to the quadriplegic, who is a whose IQ is <laughs> wow. This guy, this guy, and he is a Long Beach uh, City student as well. This guy is an amazing guy. He has started uh, uh, the uh, his uh, 
his brand is for quads and and I mean he has the most beautiful art he has he he's made signs uh you know he sells t-shirts he was at the uh, uh African African American Expo last year and you know he, he you know so after you know meeting the blind girl and everything I I changed I was like well you know it wouldn't be too bad to be blind it wouldn't be too bad to be because when you see these these young people and uh, the things that they do they're not held back from anything it's like it, even to the uh, Derek, the, uh, the quadriplegic, I mean, this guy and a lot of the students in the class were like, yeah, I've, I've seen you many a times. I saw you at the bus stop. Some days he don't roll in his uh, – his his dream is to – he get, he hot rides, you know, the, the wheelchair. Huh. Yes, he has. And it's like, wow, okay. So it's like mental illness. I, I was like, okay, so I wouldn't want to be uh, – I, I could be either of, of them and still be somebody. So it's like, wow. I took shouts out there to Mr. Lloyd Spasnick. Uh the Go Project out here, uh, I think that would be nice for everybody. When he met me, when I went in the uh, office to speak with him, he already had all my grades pulled up and so when I went in, you know, and he, he like I said, he's a quadriplegic. He's the only one in the world that I know of that has feeling. So he can feel everything. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And that is a rare thing. So I was like, wow, you know, and so he gets cold, you know, and it, most of them don't, they don't feel, their bodies are, you know, totally don't feel anything numb. And so uh, when he paraded all of them and when I went into his office, he had my grades pulled up and this guy, he's like, he was so, he's like, I already have the grades. And I'm like, you do? He's like, I already looked it. He's like, you're, you're, I'm going to be one of the rare disabled uh, students out of Long Beach City to graduate. So their graduation rate is really low, and for a disabled student to do this, it's, it's going to be a big thing for me and for them. So, well, that's you know. great. That's great. So I, I I say you can do anything, no matter what. You should not be limited on your physical, mental, whatever ability. You know. Right, and what what gets me sometimes is the young people that are perfectly have no health or mental issues or, or handicaps or fussing and griping about how bad things are. And you can't overcome whatever. If these people can overcome these obstacles, these these young kids are going to have to get out here and, and do things. But sometimes they just want it too easy, and and that's a problem. You know, some of them need to, are just going to have to learn. And then, unfortunately, probably the hard way, like we did, probably. Oh yeah, and later on in life too. I I I encourage I encourage parents uh, to get more active in their their kids' lives. See what it is is what I was speaking. You know, I've been speaking to a lot of people, David, and you know, I'm getting their their input on a lot of things. And and it's like you know what we need to start to uh, and everybody's today because of the economy. Everybody's you know you got to have five people making a paycheck in the house to make things run right. Uh, these days. That's why I know God is in our lives because, you know, there's really no, I, I can look, like I said, mint, mint.com, I'm spending 6000 plus a, a month, and where is it coming from? So the case is, you know, we have to install in our children. It's not that they're, you know, someone that made a comment, uh, uh, my friend from last night here, Urban, he said that at, at this Black History Month is February, you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback from that too. But he said that none of the uh, student uh, student groups uh, did anything for Black History. It's like, uh, and it, you know, February passes. Well, every month nowadays goes real fast. And one day it's the first, and next thing you know, it's the next month. 
So it's like right. a, they didn't do anything. And so I said, well, look, I had to enlighten him. I said, you know, no one, it's not that the kids, it's not that they're totally not acknowledging black history. It's like they have so many other things that they're doing. If nobody tells you or reminds you to do something, I mean, come on. I, we got enough stuff in our lives, and I know they got a lot of things going on. I mean, dating and just the whole thing with dating and, you know, just life and peer pressure and all the extra. You know, they they didn't think to do anything, you know. I mean, and if you don't say, I mean, you have to keep reminded. Some things I have to be reminded of. Some things, you know, I lose track of a lot of things. I'm a cut. Like I said, I'm a cut up. So if you remind them, if you tell them, if they're not being taught in the home how to be uh, caring to another person, if they're not, if they're not in a situation where they're in a loving home where they have guidance and things like that, well, they're not going to think about anything like that. Just be honest. I remember back when I was uh, younger, prior to me having the kids. Uh, I remember I, I thought, all I thought was my parents were trying to tell, you know, I mean, my mom, actually, because I didn't have a dad. But I thought she just want to tell me what to do, and she wanted to run my life, and she wanted to do this, and I'm going to do, you know, and all that extra. See, that's where they're at, you know, so you got to put yourself in that place. And don't really think like they don't want to do it. We have to remind them. Some of them don't want to be reminded. Yeah, some of them need a little goading, as we used to say. Yeah. A little what? Goading? Yeah. Little go- that's what yeah. we say here in Texas. We're going to goad him into it. Yeah, my dad used to say that. Uh, so I guess that's just a that's a southern thing back there because they're from Louisiana. Yeah, I mean you you do you got to remind them and you got to talk to them because you know they're they're embarking on stuff. You know we we kind of already went through what we've been through and, and you know sometimes we don't want to go back. I would I wouldn't want to be 21 today. I would want to be 19. I want to be right where I am today. You know and you know I don't care. You know I don't worry about death and all that extra. I, I probably you know as a young person I, I always thought. You know, since I can see things, and when I say see things, I try not to tell too many people because look at I you, don't crazy. worry too much about death anymore either. I I just want to make sure that I accomplish some things that I want to get done before that time comes. So I and having getting started so late in life, getting straightened up so late in life, you know, you got to work that much harder to uh, kind of catch up with uh, everyone else. So and if okay. we don't catch up with anyone else, that's fine too. Okay. That's okay to see the man. What? What? When were you born? What? The, I am originally from Charleston, West Virginia area, and uh, I lived there till I was in my mid to late twenties. And I've had a lot of different jobs, and like I said, I've had some good jobs, and and just my personality and my, like you said, my drive was so much that. If things didn't go my way right off the bat, I was going on to another job, you know, and I'm not like that anymore. Wow. That's incredible because, you know, I hung in there with the job with the guy, you know, messing with me, the English, England dude. Uh, I hung in there uh, like three and a half months to four months. And, uh, you know, I, I my nan was still alive. My mom had passed, and then my nan got sick, and I took that whole time off to be with her. And uh, she had told me, she had kept saying, you know, when my mom died, she was like, you're too far from the kids. You need to quit that job. You need, And, you know, because of my financial structure of how I did things and my husband, who was not my ex-husband, I, I didn't trust him much. And, you know, he wasn't of the kind of cloth I was cut from. And it, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it that he he just wasn't. You have, you know, it, sometimes how you're brought up and the things that you're taught is what defines you when you grow up. And uh, being that, you know, when I found that out, I didn't really trust him, so I didn't let the job go. I find that, uh, you know, I spoke with a lady a couple of weeks ago who said that, uh, actually, her name is Tanya Green. She is the editor of Mafia Magazine, and she's up in San Francisco, uh, California. And um, 
she had said that she's like that too. She, you know, she would leave from one job to the next because either they didn't have anything, it wasn't uh, moving fast enough for her. And I was like, wow. Right. If I had, have, if I had have left, see, I did myself an injustice, and I and I tell people this all the time. Me sticking around for the three and a half, four months while he was, you know, constantly, constantly on me. I mean, he had me. Uh, I was a bump. I was, you know, I would get these sweats. I didn't understand all that. I would start sweating at thirty minutes. At 3 o'clock, let's say three at 2.45, this guy came in at 3, and I had to stay there until 3.30. So when it got to be like, what, 2.45 or so, his his supervisors would have to come in and take our, you know, our places. So, I, you know, at that, that 45, I was gathering my stuff and, you know, getting up. And, and when he walked in, I would be over in the cut. Every, everything that at my desk was already done, laid out for his person to take over, and I'd be on the other side. And I'd hear him say, was Regina, <laughs> you know, a man, and it's like, oh my God, he, you know, he's looking for. He was, I mean, for three and a half. Man, what I did was an injustice to myself because I was thinking about where well, my kids go to private school, this and that. I got bills, I got it. You know, I did myself an injustice because gradually over that period of time, it took for me. I, I was scaring the hell out of my kids. You know, I picked my kids. Now I was already a perfectionist, right? And I, and even now with my grades, now I believe in getting A's. You know, there's just no B. <laughs> it's just A's. So I was on them. You know, they're in private school. I'm paying 500 a kid, and uh, I've lost my mom, and I'm on them about, you know, getting those A's. The B, B, you know, there was no, you know, oh, man, I was a cut-up. So I, I looked at that, and I said, well, you know, where I feel as far as grades, you know, um, I, I'm not like that anymore. You know, I've gotten a D here uh, a couple of years ago. I got a D. Well, I felt bad about it, but I didn't, like, take it to heart. So, you know, I was steadfast on, you know, trying to uh, make, you know, make, you know, make them, you know, I mean, I had them scared. I picked them up at 6, right? I'd leave in the morning at 5 to get to work, and I'd get off, pick them up off after school play, you know, and, and take them home, cook dinner. What's your grades look like? You know, and it, I was scaring the hell out of them. Man, when they would give me those progress reports, oh, somebody got to see it. Man, I took them for a ride of them, their lives. <laughs> and it, it took for me to one day, it was like, when they would get in the car, the first thing they would say was, how was work, mommy? And I and I, you know, I was like, you know, it didn't dawn on me at first, you know, because I was starting to be aggressive towards them. I was starting to, you know, it was like, what did I be, you know, and, and scaring the hell out of them. And then one day it was like, well, I said, they're scared of me. And I saw the look in their faces when they're, how's work, mommy? Now, I never told them because my kids always looked at me like I, I could. I could whoop everybody, but right, like my mama will whoop your butt, you know. I'm still protected, right? So I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell them that this man is messing with mommy at work, and I, I had my gun in my purse too. And I, this is what I say too. When it comes, I have so many different topics inside of me that I can just express and talk about. See, a lot of days, you know, towards the middle of that, him messing with me. A lot of days, I wanted to grab, reach in my purse and just let him have it. But then I thought, like, wow, if I'd have done that then you know, where would I be today? I wouldn't be where I am today. So it's like I do understand, and my heart goes out to people. you get, you got to really understand and look in someone's face and see. You know, nowadays what we should do when we're interacting with other people is look in their faces. And, you know, if you see someone, it, sometimes it runs across your mind when you see someone who's on the edge, and you, 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 you either ignore right. it, you, you walk away from it, and, you say, and that person, you know, you could have saved someone's lives or someone's lives. You, you, and I you think kind of get, someone like us would sees that more than maybe someone else. Someone who's been through it sees that, can see through those folks. And uh, that's something we should look for. And we need to teach people what to look for with mental illness because, you know, if your kid's locking himself in his room and he's doing this and that, 
maybe we could stop shooting. Maybe we could stop an act of violence if we could, if these people would stop being so apathetic and say, oh, he stays in his room all day, so I don't bother him. Instead of that, go find out what your kids are doing. Yeah. You know, what are they looking at on the computer? What are they, you know, people need to be more active. And, yeah. Yes, you know we're, I know we're busy. Like I was leading to, we're busy in our lives, and we have you know the jobs or the bosses on your ass. But the case is, one day out of the one day out of the month, one day out of the month. I don't care if it's a sick call in or if it's a you know because I know some ladies, most ladies get their nails done, their hair done, whatever the case may be. And some people are fortunate to have two parents in the home. One day out of the month, go and just do a pop up. When my kids before I started working, my kids were I had already started school. The minute that Dominique, my daughter, much love out there to Dominique and Cortez, when she started school, I knew my son had a speech problem. I knew, and, you know, because they're like, they're like uh, actually 16 months apart. So when she started Head Start, I already knew he wasn't talking. And the only person that really could understand him was my daughter. And she would translate. You know, he'd go, ooh, ooh, ooh. And she'd like, oh, he wants to, uh, you know, I'm like, okay. So I knew he had a problem. So, you know, I was an active parent. And so every day for Head Start, I was there. Those four, those four hours a day, I was there every day teaching the kids, learning. I was learning how, you know, how the, the, the teachers teach them how to be responsible, how to clean their table, their area. I read to them. You know, I made myself active, and I didn't really have a job. And so, you know, when Cortez started the next following year, they already knew that he had a problem. So the first day of school, it, you see, when it deals with uh, getting IEPs, you know, children, when they, when, when they have a, a physical or mental disabilities, the first thing when they start school is the IEP. You parents, if you know your children already have an issue, say, I was young. I was nine, I was 18 when I had Dominique. I was 19 when I had him. But then I was I, I was more involved in their lives when they were little than I, you know, than as they as time went on. So, you know, if you see your child has a problem and you, you know it and you sense it, it's, it's a thing that, you know, I said, well, you know what, I can't afford at the time. You know, I was a young mom and my mom was really supporting me, really. And so I was like, I didn't have the, you know, money to put them in anything special. So I, I started, I was active with Dominique, which I was able to, the teachers, they ended up knowing me and liking me, and they prepared already for him to come. They already knew he had a problem, because so he would be there with, the, with me every day anyways. So they knew. The first day of school, there was a therapist there, Miss Janice. Oh, my God. Miss Janice DeMore, she's in Manhattan Beach. Much love to her. She was the best out of all. And from that, he had four therapists, four therapies a, 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 a year. He had her, he had Janice, because when he got from Head Start, she went, we, I took her into her private because she had a private. And then the, the Los Angeles Unified School District had one. And then I had another, you know, so I kept him, you know, until the age of 12, I kept him back and forth because with that first IEP, which that's what you must get, and it said if I wouldn't have did what I did prior, the year prior with Dominique, I wouldn't have been able to. See, it takes the, the school system a long time to, you know, set a child up for an IEP. And in that IEP, IEP, that's where they found out what the the disabilities was. See, he had no problems with anything uh, as far as his learning. He just he had a motor skill. That means he couldn't use his tongue. He didn't know like for R's, and he didn't know how to you know he he didn't talk with his tongue, and that's all that was wrong with him. And so I worked with him until he was twelve. I mean, I and Miss Demora, she was just beautiful. And over now, when you talk to him now, you're like he had a speech impediment. Yeah, yeah, he did. You know, you have to really be, and I'm blessed to have done that. So what I tell parents is, you know, take one day. And then after that, when they got into regular, when they started, you know, first grade, second grade, I would do pop-up visits all the time. I got the teachers. I would go on field trips, <laughs> you know, and I was the biggest mommy, right? So 
of course, it's like, your mommy is the biggest mommy, <laughs> you know, and they, when the kids would see me hit the playground, I mean, when they see me, it, it was the most amazing thing. They'd be like, they'll run, you know, I, I walk into the office, they, when they see me, it's like, their mom, is it, they run and go, and everybody wanted to be, you know, in my group on the field trips and stuff like that. I made myself, you know, a, 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 fig, a figure. Uh, in in their lives. So nowadays, parents don't have that option because, you know, both parents or everybody has to work. And so, but you can take that one day out of the month and go do a check-in, you know, just do a pop-up. You know, I, I caught down making courses. Yeah, one yeah. Yeah, do a pop-up, you know, and, and get to know their teachers, too. I know everybody can do that PTA thing, and they can't do that, you know, the parent-teacher meetings and stuff like that because we're so busy. But take one day, one day. It just will save so many so many mistakes that our young people make one day out of the month and just do a pop-up, do a pop-up, get to know the teacher, give the teacher your number, have communications with the teacher so the child won't be able to come back and tell you, well, my teacher doesn't like me. You'll know if the teacher likes you because you'll sit in that teacher's face, you'll have a, you know, a rapport with that teacher, and then that that's all you need to do. A lot of parents say, well, why, you know, everybody's saying why, why, why? It's because, you know, that's just something that's very important that we must do it one day a month. Take it out of your busy schedule. Don't meet with the ladies. Don't go have that drink. That you know, Do it for the kids. Do it for the children. Right. For their future. Do you agree? That's great. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm really a passionate. I wanted, to, I wanted to get something in about the, um, you know, we're trying to, to raise some funds to take our special need groups or a group to a a place called Morgan's Wonderland in in San Antonio, Texas, which is an amusement park that's built for kids and adults with special needs. And it's uh, probably the only one I understand like it in the world. And it was created on a, a grant from a, a wealthy philanderer, and I think it's just a great program. And if we could take a group of our kids or, or your some of your folks, anybody there that uh, could enjoy that and have fun there, and for us to take a group like that would it's going to be expensive, and so that's one of the reasons we are trying to do our little celebrity auction and, and to do some things this summer a little differently than we have in the past. So we're looking well, this, forward to that. Well, this is we're down to like what maybe a good fifteen, let's say a good thirteen. So you take it out with uh, filling us in with all the information that we need to know. Uh, tell me what it is that we can do uh, on a statewide uh, thing. I'd love to. I'd love to see that. I'd love to be a part of that and. Uh, Anything that I can do, uh, you know. Right now, I got a little bit of cash, so you need to holler at me on that, so I can help you a little okay. bit right now. Yeah, so, take I, everybody. Well, we're doing a we we're doing a celebrity auction, which basically the the charity we've been writing to celebrities now for about a year now, trying to get them to to send us little items, maybe something they wore in a film or a movie, or even a DVD of a movie they were in, or an article of clothes. Anything like that, maybe they could sign it, send it in to us, and we're having an auction on June the seventh here in Longview, Texas, and that's to raise money to do some field trips with our special need folks. Hopefully this year, probably toward the end of the summer, depending on what we raise and how well things go. And I want to send a shout out to some of the people that had sent stuff in for that. Burt Reynolds sent a copy of the uh, Smoking the Bandit car uh, replica model car, which was great. And Mickey Rooney sent uh, some some of his old Andy Hardy movies that are in a box set, DVD set, uh, signed by him. And we've had so much participation. 
actor Jeff Bridges sent some stuff, and you can go on our our Facebook page, Texas Special Children's Projects, and and see some of the things that have been sent for that. But if you want to make a donation, you can do that as well. Uh, our our website, our regular website, is is uh, very simple in lowercase letters. It's txspecialchildren.com, and you can go on there and find out addresses and and various, even references of places that we work with, for those of you who are not familiar with us. And we just appreciate anything anyone can do, whether you're in Texas or, or anywhere you are. Go out and help someone. Go out and volunteer at a handicap center. Go out and volunteer at a nursing home. These are important things. These activity departments operate on very little money, and sometimes they don't even have the funds to buy some of their folks' Christmas gifts. A lot of those folks don't have family members to come visit, and we get called upon often to buy Christmas gifts at Christmas. So, and that's something that we do. So, if you can, I realize, yeah, not everyone can help in Texas. Shout no, shout out to uh, those entertain entertainment uh, personalities that are helping you. You know that that that's what I was like saying. You know, see, there are uh, people. Some some some. Some people who have money, they don't want to be recognized because they want to do it on the down low, and I don't blame them. Right. Really. Some people, they, they're not looking for any, you know, recognition. Either I guess they probably feel that they get enough just being a star. And some of these, yeah, some of those folks do get a lot of recognition, but I was really impressed with uh, Mickey Rooney. He's been so kind and and helpful on this. And for someone to be 92, and, and he recently went through some personal problems, and and for him to help at his age. So uh, we've written to 75, now 100 people in the entertainment field, and we've gotten quite a bit of response, but I wish we'd gotten more. But there's still time left. The auction is in June. And uh, Loretta Lynn sent some, some posters and I saw that. And some things. Yeah, and he's looking beautiful. I, I was like, wow. And Mickey Rooney, uh, I, I just recently uh, ran across something, and I was like, wow, he's still alive. He used to be a rascal too, right? A little rascal. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, he was quite a rascal, and uh, he's had an interesting life. No, I mean a real rascal. <laughs> no, I mean a real. Oh, yeah. I mean a real rascal. That you. I mean not like not not like our kind of rascal. Now, I mean he was a real little rascal, and and, and that is a blessing that he's ninety two years old. And Loretta Lynn as well. She's, she's always been so beautiful to me uh, that they're that they're doing the things that they do, and they need, you know, they 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 need to know that they're making a difference in so many people's lives. And you know, my my nan always gave to the March of Dimes. She always gave. You know, nowadays, you know, I found out that some of these places are a little bit different. So you being here, you know, and I knowing you, and I knowing you as I do, you know, it's really it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to know that you know. Uh, you know, you do what you do, and and uh, you have uh, it, it's real. It's it's real. It's touchable. I love that. Thank you. And uh, tell everybody what, where it is that they can go. If there's any numbers or any addresses that you can give, uh, is there any um, advice that you can give to 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 the people out there? To you know, uh, especially our, our our entertainment people who may be out there, people who may be listening, and uh, you know what what it is that they can you know, help in those addresses. I, I want to thank the folks in the entertainment industry out there in California for helping our little charity here in Texas for sending items to us for our charity auction coming up June the 7th. There's still time if you want to send something. And a shout-out to Miss Angie Dickinson. She sent some things and signed a poster and some pictures, and she's been great. 
and just a lot of folks. And some have called and haven't sent stuff yet, but they're going to. Uh, a lot of the old Western stars have been hit. Greg sent Walker and uh, James Drury have sent stuff, and we've just been very blessed and great, great folks out there. They just have some big hearts, and the fact that they would even take time to do it for a small charity in Texas says volumes about the kind of people that they are. So if let me give you the mailing address. It's Texas Special Children's Projects, 513 North Fredonia Street, Longview, Texas, 75601. Or you can visit our website. All of that is on there at txspecialchildren.com. And thanks to everyone who's participating. Thank you, Gina, for having me on the program. It's been quite enjoyable talking to you, and and you have some interesting stories to tell. And you you are an inspiration. You've done well with the homeless community, and and you've got a some ways I think you have a tougher job than mine, but you think mine's tougher, so. I look up to you as well, Gina. Well, you know, we're here for each other, and you you know you're welcome on this show anytime. Anything that you have. Now, this is what I do want to tell you. Make sure that you post everything that you that you have on uh, Shepherd's Pasture, which is everybody knows. I don't have a p- profile picture yet because of, you know, infringements and things like that. So I'm trying to get something that represents our vets as well. So you make sure you post everything you have on Shepherd's Pasture and Gina's Groove Theory, as well as Gina Envy Not White. Post it, post it, post it, so that people can see it. Shepherd's Pasture, okay. Yeah, Shepherd's Pasture. www.facebook.com/slash/shepherd's-pasture. It's for the vets because you know, as you know, currently uh, this is a big issue, and this is why Mr. Wuko and uh, Mr. Davis, I think, have touched me and came into my life like they have. It's because a vet a day right now are killing themselves, and that is because of them being dis- they're do- they're being OTH'd out, and that and this is a joke, OTH out because once you know they've served all these tours, and then they get out and they do one thing, and if that if they're captain or whatever, or whoever doesn't like them, this is what this is what they do, they OTH them out, and the OTH is a other than dishonorable leave, <laughs> other than and this right, makes- it might be. Usually, what they used to call. Are you talking about like a section nine where they may have mental illness, or and but if you send somebody to combat and they get mental illness as a result of that, is that right to turn them into the street and and give them no treatment, no benefits, no anything? Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's, and it's you know a what? sad killing, state of affairs. They're killing themselves one a day, one vet a day, men and women at That's this bad. time. That's bad. One a, what? What? What is? You know what? I've been calling for this. Long time ago, when they first went over into this last little war, I, I was I was because I had in you know I've been in, involved in this ever since two thousand two thousand one you know two thousands when I left the job because of mental illness. I've been involved in this for quite a while, and that was my main concern. What is going to happen to them when they come home? A lot of them are not being then. Then when they get out, I'm, I'm I was working with I, I had this show already planned to do it with Mr. Gallus Christopher Gallus. He is on Skid Row, but he works with the vets. He is a part of the VHRSP program for department. Well, actually, the Veterans Affairs, and I've been working with them, and I put the show off and you know, prolonged it because what he said to me was, "If you want to get a nonprofit, you should go for reentry for the service guys." And he did. I, I love that he said this because I, I I never would have thought he would have, but he said it as well as our prison uh, population. 
So I said, okay. So he said, focus on that. And I was like, okay, well, I, I will. So once I, once when Mr. Ruko, uh, I don't know who touched me through LinkedIn and sent his show, that his Sunday shows, right, uh, are about the vets. Uh, Sunday, it's uh, actually uh, 9.70 a.m. Uh, Frank Wuko, you guys uh, Google that and, and you can check it out. Yes, yeah. nine, he's on 9.70 a.m. in Miami. That popped up the other day, and I didn't know who that was from, but I will look that up. That's certainly I'm at, it it might have been me sending it to you. Yeah, you guys need to check it out because it should be on tonight. Uh, tonight is Sunday, so it should be on tonight. And that's where I found out, no, reentry is not re- – yeah, reentry is important. But it was what he told me was really important because it's like a vet a day are killing themselves. They're coming home. They're being OTH'd out. So it's like this. They've been in combat. They get out. They might have an altercation with somebody, and then what they do is they just oust them. They OT them out. That means no benefits. That means nothing. And then, and the, you know, nowadays you gotta have a, you gotta do everything online. So they go to get a job. They they've been out. They don't have any benefits. They have nothing. And the, all they have is you know a gun, and they shoot themselves. There it is. You should talk with uh, Christopher Mitchum, who is uh, he is a conservative in in politics out there in California and L.A. And I know he's a big advocate for the veterans. Mitchum, guys. Yeah, his dad is uh, Robert Mitchum. Is his dad the great actor? But his name is Christopher Mitchum. Yeah, and he's. He's doing a lot out there, and uh, he's a he's a big advocate for veterans. So, yeah, and I'll, he's a great guy. It seems like, yeah. I'll, I'll do that. I'm trying to find a pen to write it down. But uh, we'll, you know, I'll call you after we're out the show. You know, because we're, we're we're right down to the last part of the haven't, show. Yeah, I haven't had him, haven't met him in person, but I've uh, been talking to him online and stuff. He's a great guy. Okay, well, you, you can better put me in touch because Mr. Gallus, I know he's busy and he's right on Skid Row with everybody and. You know, he hasn't been able to get there with me, but I, I need somebody to be with me on that show, and I, I, I hope I hope you can be there too. If, if you know, as soon as I, you know, said it, it's already programmed. I just haven't put it out there and scheduled it because I'm waiting on him, and I don't feel that. I mean, once Mr. Ruko touched me with what he's touched me with, it's like uh, this is an urgency, and I need to get the show on, and I need to do, I need to do something. We need to do something because we cannot allow. Because not only that 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 serviceman or woman can kill a whole lot of other people, not just themselves. See, one thing about the people who serve, you know, they they take the they take the hit, they take the hit, so they just hit themselves. But then, you know, it's going to be somebody that's going to say, well, I, you know, I, I want everybody else to go with me. So the case is, we got to put an end to this now. We got to, we have right, to right. put an end to the these people who have saved who have saved our fought for us coming home, killing them. That is not the answer. That's what they're finding is the only answer to the, to end their problems, and that is not the answer. Killing yourself is not the answer. I was going to kill myself. I didn't see where I am today. It is not the answer. You must survive it and be able to help someone else. What's that saying? It's a it's a temporary problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and and that's not the way to go, so... Get counseling, get help. That's my message. Or if you want to recover from your problems, help someone else with theirs. That's the real message. It's therapeutic. Therapeutic. It sure is. Very therapeutic, right? That's right. That's what we do, huh? Exactly. We're we're almost down to our last few minutes, and take us out with an entertainer that I, I would love to be a part to help because you know she catches a lot of flack from a lot of people. 
at Beyonce we're, we're speaking of, you know, with all the extra nonsense going on around. Um, I'm going to take us out with Halo, actually. It's a beautiful song. Well, she's got, yeah. she's got a great heart and a great lady, though, really and truly. Much love to Beyonce out there as well as her her daughter and, and her husband and so forth. And we're going to end it. You Go ahead. You, I don't know if you ever heard the song before, but it's called Halo. We're going to go ahead and take it out. Um, anything else you want to say right quick before we take it out? I just wanted to thank you again, Gina, for giving me the opportunity to talk about Texas Special Children's Projects on national radio. It was a big help to us, and God bless you, and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. It was my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Uh, I love you guys out there, and I love you too, David. We're gonna we're gonna take it out. You just remain there. At, the system will cut you off at the end, and then I will call you, and we'll talk after that. I'm gonna go ahead and sign on out. We're gonna sign on out, and we're gonna say bye to everybody out there. And I'm gonna take you guys out with Halo. Uh, much love to all you uh, your entertainment people out there that's doing making a difference. Much love to all you guys. Should talk to Oprah. To Oprah. Let's let's do something because you know sooner or later, you know I, I hate to have to say it. Is that you're not going to be alongside? See, money is not going to be able to define your 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 peers. Money is not going to be able to define that, you know. And that's where that's where the other things come into play. And uh, you don't ever want to end up ousted out of your your society and have to come back to our society of people, and because you're not going to be well received. I can say that today. I know this to be true. This is your KXRW, your internet. Community Connection Internet Radio Station Broadcasting. This is the end of Gina's Groove Theory. Thank you. Much love out there to David, David Hanshaw out there in Texas. Longville, much love. I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to try to have a show for tomorrow. I have a show every day, but we're going to see what we're going to do tomorrow. i got to have my people back me up. I love you guys. Thank you. We're out. It is 58 at this minute, and here's Halo by Beyonce. I built, oh baby, they're tumbling down, and they didn't even put up a fight, they didn't even make the sound, I found a way to let you in, but I never really had a doubt, standing in the light of your halo, I got my angel now, it's like I've been awakened. Yeah.